are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Soundup. We are talking about races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this past weekend, as well as some updates from the Arkham Menard Series, East and West Series, and a little bit of short track racing news as well. Joining me for tonight as co-host is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Whoops. I dropped Jay. Okay. Jay, I think, is going to be calling back in. Let me see if I can bring him in. Jay, can you hear me? Yep, I am here, ready to go. Okay. Uh, So welcome to the show. We're going to start off in our first half hour uh, talking about some short track racing news. Uh, We'll also talk about uh, the Arkham Menard Series and the Arca East and West. And then at 9 o'clock, our guest tonight is one of our very own, actually. It is James Bickford. He's part of our fan for racing crew, but he is also uh, very much involved as Charlotte Phoenix iRacing team. He is the team manager uh, for that group, and we'll talk to him about that. So looking forward to uh, catching up with James tonight. Yeah, I, I messaged him, uh, I think it was uh, maybe midweek, uh, talking about that i know originally he was scheduled to be on when we did the podcast during the day and uh yes. that didn't happen getting rescheduled i know sal was supposed to be here tonight i was a little disappointed that uh i wasn't going to get to be on with james but then as it turns out sal uh, i guess had to work so i get to be on with him anyway <laughs> it all worked out um and then uh after we finish our, our conversation with james we are going to get into the truck series race and then the Xfinity and the Cup Series race, all at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this past weekend. 10 o'clock is our Hot Topic Sound Off uh, hour, and we will definitely look forward to talking. I think we've got uh, all of the crew here tonight with Andy and Mike joining us at 10 o'clock at Eastern Time tonight. Well, I know our message board's been popping there. So, yeah, we just definitely got some things to talk about again following this weekend Uh-oh. at uh, Las Did Vegas. Lose you, Jay? No, I'm still here. Jay, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Do I need to call in again? All right. Can you hear me, Sharon? Okay, can you hear me now, Jay? Jay? Yeah, I could hear you the whole time. Uh, I'm not sure. I know we've been having some problems with the site, if that's what the issue is here. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, But anyway, I think my phone dropped the call, and uh, that's why I couldn't hear. But anyway, um, we were just talking about uh, getting into – some short track racing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, as we look at that, I know we had uh, one here right close to home here, and uh, we'll talk more about that come Thursday as we're going to have somebody that raced there uh, for the yes. Montgomery 200, or I'm sorry, Alabama 200, um, as well as then previewing. they got another one coming up, so we'll get into some information on that. A lot of good racing articles up on Racing America I know we've been using them a yes. lot here lately for our stuff, for short track racing. So 
can you did you go to that race, Jay? I did not. Uh, we had our opening weekend uh, here at Jackson Motor Speedway, so uh, I wasn't able to go to it. Okay. Uh, well, that, there's uh, quite a lot that happened, I guess, at the racetrack. Uh, so uh, I guess Hunter Robbins scored an upset in the Alabama 200. Matt Hirschman won another modified race. This time, the Smart Modified Tour opener at Florence Motor Speedway. And you recall, we talked about that race because that's the series that Bobby Labonte is racing in this year. Well, and that's a name you're going to hear, uh, Hirschman, at the top of that uh, quite a bit, if you ask me. Um, the upset there at um, Montgomery Speedway, you know, that's the, that's the love of short track racing. You never know what's going to happen. So I can't wait to hear from uh, Jojo Wilkinson uh, from the driver's perspective that was there on uh, not just her day, but the entire race, the entire event, and going back to that whole just short track atmosphere uh, throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Jeff Choquette Co- uh, went to Victory Lane for the first time in over 20 years. He raced on dirt in Florida this weekend. He ran the Cruza Dirt Late Model Race at All Tech Raceway in Florida. And that is a dirt track that is on my bucket list. Uh, I watch a lot of racing from there via streaming and other apps. Uh, I have not yet been able to attend at the track, but uh, definitely on my bucket list of a track to get to. Another dirt race on Sunday saw Chris Madden pick up his first Southern All-Stars win in over four years. Uh, the win came at Cherokee Speedway in the March Madness event. Uh, I guess Chris Ferguson blew a tire late in the race, and uh, that opened the door for Madden to get his fourth win in the race, all even-numbered years, 2006, 16, 18, and 22. Well, also, if you don't Connor, know a lot about – oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, if you don't know the history there uh, – Ferguson now running for Team Bloomquist, Team Zero, a Scott Bloomquist uh, team that Madden had run for and stepped away from um, within the past two years. So kind of, a, you know, at the NASCAR's top level, we're talking about teammates and the battles that we see. There's always some interesting things going on, the dynamics of uh, each race that you got to follow along, get the whole story. But I'm sure there was some vindication there, if you will. Yes, indeed. I'm sure there was. And then Connor Hall swept the night away at Hickory Motor Speedway as he took his took both the 40 lap event to both 40 lap events to start his 2022 season. Uh, he inked his first two wins of his career at Hickory in the feature division, and the fields were deep with 25 cars in the first race, and then 22 cars in the second race. Uh, so sounds like it's a pretty healthy starts out there at Hickory Motor Speedway this past weekend. You know, you hit on something there. I was, I was kind of thinking about you said healthy start uh, to the seasons and for tracks. And I know we went through that at Jackson Motor Speedway. Gas prices going up a little bit. We talk, we talk about um, parts shortages or whatever. Dirt track tires have been an issue um, as far as availability. But from what I saw across all the ones that I watched and checked out, uh, good car count, good crowd count. So 
uh, we're going to get through this. Uh, again, it's, the racing will survive. You know, it might uh, take a little bit of a dip or maybe not see as many travel as far as, as we're used to. But racers are going to race and the fans are going to watch them. That's right. They're going to find a way to make things happen uh, without much of a doubt there. Okay, you're right. We will get into more of this Alabama 200 at Montgomery Speedway on Thursday night when our guest JoJo Wilkinson joins us. Uh, but now I also wanted to talk about um, uh, the SRX series because there's quite a few drivers uh, that are going to be in that series, some part-time, some full-time. But they've got a list uh, now at Racing America that gives you every driver that's going to be racing for the six tracks throughout the season. So if you're wondering who's going to be uh, racing at which tracks and what the dates are that they're going to be at these tracks, uh, you can check that out here at Racing America as well. Well, and I know uh, we had talked about this. So you say getting to watch some of these races, you can get to, get to watch as many. I really thought I was going to get to attend the one at uh, Five Legs Speedway when the SRX comes there, but I saw the date and I had matched it up. Uh, I'm not going to be able to attend it this year. Uh, uh, I was really hoping to get to cover Yeah, I was really hoping to get to cover that. Unfortunately, it sounds like there's a scheduling conflict there. Uh, some of the names of uh, the full-season competitors, Marco Andretti, Greg Biffle, Ryan Hunter-Red, Bobby Labonte, Ryan Newman, Tony Stewart, Paul Tracy, and Michael Waltrip. Uh, and then some other names that I didn't mention there, Ernie Francis is racing at Fly Flags, Tony Kanan, um, and I think those are the new names on the list. Uh, in addition to all the names that I mentioned before, uh, when they go to South Boston, that's uh, June 25th, Ernie Francis will be there, as well as uh, Tony Kanan, Tony Stewart, well, he's one of the full-timers. Um, so at Stafford Speedway, the new name on the list here is Helio Castroneves, Haley Deegan are going to be racing, and that's at Stafford Speedway on July the 2nd. So a lot of fans will definitely want to check that out. At Nashville Fairground Speedway, uh, Matt Kinseth will be racing there, along with uh, Joseph Newgarden. Uh, those are the new names on the uh, list. Helio, Castrona- Helio Castroneves will also be at that track. And then at uh, the Federated Auto Parts Raceway, I-55, on July 16th, we've got Haley Deegan is back. Tony Kanan, Matt Kinsis. Uh, those are the new names on that list. And then at Sharon Speedway on July 23rd, uh, you've got Ryan Blaney and Dave Blaney are going to be racing at that speedway. They own that speedway, so it's kind of cool that they'll be racing there. Tony Kanan, uh, Matt Kinsis, and uh, all of the other regulars that uh, I mentioned at first there. So there you have it for all of the different races for the SRX series. Pretty excited about this series this year. Yeah, seeing some of these names pop up uh, that we knew uh, were going to make at least, like you mentioned, uh, the couple of starts here and there. I had not heard the, heard the Blaney deal. We saw that last year at Nashville with uh, Chase and Bill Elliott getting to race against each other to see Ryan and uh, Dave 
get to run together there. I think that's going to be a big highlight and an awesome to see. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's going to be uh, a really fun race to watch. I think they're all going to be fun because, you know, Tony Stewart is back. He was the champion last year. He's here to defend his championship, and uh, it's going to be really fun to to watch him throughout those six races over the summer and uh, to see these guys uh, back on the track. This this is turning out to be a really popular series. I really do. We're we're talking about year number two, and I know there was already talk about expansion and what more they could do. Right now, especially for the second year, I think they're doing the right thing and, and they're keeping it at the six races. We've got a few different drivers um, due to different circumstances. So Ryan Newman, I know that's one I mentioned to looking forward to seeing him involved this year. Uh, Biff's going to make some starts as well. I know he was there last year, but Matt Kenseth being new. Uh, the Blaney's that battle. So, you know, maybe we see it expand a little bit more next year, but that's one of those of uh, less, maybe less is more. You know, they put together that six stretch and just, it's a fun series. They go out and have at it for those six races and, and then go on. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you 100% there. Uh, and uh, I think these guys are, are looking forward to it as much as we are. So, uh if you get a chance to go to any of these races throughout the summer uh, to check out the SRX Racing Series, uh, that would be really, really cool. Okay, now we're going to go ahead and move on to our Arkham Menard Series. Uh, actually, there's going to be three series, one race at Phoenix Raceway next weekend. Jay and I are going to preview that race on Thursday night. Uh, but just so everybody knows, uh, if this is a big deal because you've got the Arkham Menard Series, then you've got the Sioux Chief Showdown. There's 10 races within the Arkham Menard Series uh, that are considered Sioux Ch- uh, Chief Showdown events, and Phoenix is the first race of those 10. So uh, uh, drivers are going to be contending for a championship in that series. And then the Arkham Menard Series West is having their season opener in that same race. So we're going to see Arca West drivers, Sioux Chief Showdown drivers, and Arca Menard Series drivers all contending in that uh, general tire 150. Now, if you've got Flow, if you've got Flow TV, you'll be able to see it there, um, or the delayed broadcast, I think, on uh, MAV TV, or I mean on uh, USA TV. But MAV TV will have the live uh live race as well. So uh, if you don't have Map TV, you can get that. And um, they do have a streaming service available that you can subscribe to and be able to watch these races. Uh, this is going to be a good one. Yeah, you, you hit it there. Uh, three different races within the race, if you will. The Arkham Menards Series, race number one for the Arkham Menards West. We always uh, – Waiting on that one to get started uh, from the West Coast, uh, start a little bit later than here in the East. So that's always anticipated. And then you throw in the mix of that Sioux Chief Showdown, an entirely separate point system that certain drivers uh, can come into if they're not eligible to run at all races. You know, we talk about that of different fans have different perspectives, but there's something to watch because there is battles that may not be at the front of the field for a race win, 
but are still the battles within, you know, second, third on back for various reasons, three different reasons as far as points in this case. Absolutely. Uh, so these guys are really going to be uh, uh, competing on a lot of different levels there. Now, you can go to ArcaRacing.com, and you'll see a lot of great articles if you want to kind of catch up with what's already happened. Uh, there is a Arca Menards Rewind takeaways from Daytona and New Smyrna. Uh, of course, it was the Arca East having their opener at New Smyrna Speedway. Sammy Smith won there. And then at Daytona, it was uh, Corey Hine taking the victory there. Uh, but you can kind of kind of reacquaint yourself with uh, what's happened so far in this series in both the uh, Arca Menard series and the Arca East at Daytona and New Smyrna. Well, and one of the things I really like about this uh, in an Arkham and Art series uh, there has, does a great job with it. The articles they have up, the writers they have for them, just like we have for fan at, here at Fan for Racing. You know, I watch those races. I pay attention to what I see and, and my thoughts to get that other perspective of, hey, this person watched it and saw this or what they took away from it, where they see drivers going, their season going, to have that different perspective you know, you have five different people cover the same race, and you're going to hear five different opinions on that race. <laughs> I, I love that. Well, it's always it's always good. And and then during the race, you can always go to Arca Racing uh, Race Central, and uh, they have people giving updates uh, throughout the race so that you know exactly what's going on at the track. Uh, but, again, we'll get it more into that on Thursday night when we do the preview show. Uh, but, Jay, I thought we'd use this next few minutes, and I'm sorry, I didn't really prepare you for this, so if it takes you a couple minutes to get ready, I'd, that's yep. okay. I'm uh, pulling it up. Can you do, <laughs> can you do a fantasy up our We had a little bit of shifting there already here early in the season. We'll go with the, and while uh, you're the doing, truck race. Okay, go ahead. While you're doing that real quick, I want to give an update, too, while you're pulling everything up. I want to give an update about um, what's happening at Fan for Racing Vlog and Radio. If you notice, we haven't posted anything recently, and it's because I'm having an access issue uh, that we're trying to work through. Uh, and so we appreciate your patience and understanding while we work through that. So uh, uh, as soon as we do get it done, we are working with GoDaddy, and we're trying to get this taken care of as quickly as possible. It's taking a lot more time than I thought it would take, uh, but uh, uh, bear with us. We will be back in action at Embracing Blood and Radio as well. I wanted to get that in before I forgot it again. Jay. Yeah, I know we talked about that a little bit on Monday night already, uh, and it's continued. So, yeah, hopefully this all settles down. I know we've had some issues within our, our own team members coordinating stuff, so hopefully that all gets settled out. Um, yes. Starting with the, with the trucks there, uh, we didn't have a race-winning pick, but Brian did have the best pick there, as it turned out. Uh, unfortunately, um, and, and I mean this with all sincerity, Mike's driver uh, originally was in second, got DQ'd, Zane Smith picking up the DQ. So that bumped him a little mm. bit. Like I said, there was some shifting throughout the race and then even after the uh, final results there. So uh, for, the, for the year, Andy's got 15 points after two races. 
Sam 11, James 9, Brian 8, uh, as well as Sharon and Tommy at 8. Owen's at 7. And we'll make Mike feel maybe a little bit better. He's got four points. I only have three <laughs> after two races. Oh, my so, goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he at least smiles about that. Well, I'm sure no. we've got a long way to go yet, so things can change. Right. That, that don't mean the trash talking doesn't start early, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, for the Xfinity Series, Andy's got a little bit more of a handle on this one, 21 points. And I wanted to look at this real quick on the results. Yeah, this one, uh, I believe all three races have been had race-winning picks, two of them by Andy, one by James. Uh, so that's why Andy's got 21 points. James and myself here are tied at 15, Brian at 14, Owen at 11, Mike 10, Sharon 9, and then Sam and Tommy tied at 8. Now wow, and my guy came in second this week, <laughs> and I'm still at the back of the pack. Tells you about my Yeah, this team. early, yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I'm looking at the truck series. I'm in that same boat in the truck series. Even if I pick up a race win, I'm like, I don't know how far I can get up there. Uh, that at least gives you those two-point bonus. Okay. On the cup side, that's been a little more uh, fluctuating. We've had a couple of race-winning picks. Uh, Daytona, obviously, that one was kind of a – me and Brian had race winners from the clash. And then Auto Club is the only race-winning we've had. But, again, Brian had the best available or finish. Uh, so it puts him at tied with me at 33 points each. Sam is at 27. Tommy, 26. Sharon, 25. James, 23. Owen, 20. Mike 17 and Andy 16. And this is one where Andy started out a little slow, done pretty good here the last two weeks. But like you mentioned, it's tough to kind of make up those points. You got to have that week in and week out. So look That's forward true. to uh, the Xfinity and the Cup Series here. We'll uh, get some picks out this week. Uh, I'll start that after the show tonight. And then Atlanta, I think, is next, and we'll have all three series again. So. That three races in the same weekend always kind of helps that with that with our fantasy points because that that's a twenty seven point swing or possible swing in one one weekend. That's true. So the overall. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I didn't. I was thinking that was. Yeah, I got one more. Uh, you heard the names at the top, and I was going to say I don't know who invited him, but Brian has come into <laughs> this year as a, as a new player at the top with 55, Andy at 52, uh, I'm at 51, James at 47, Sam 46, Sharon 42, Tommy 42, Owen 38, and Mike has got to pick it up a little bit. He's only at 31. But like I said, uh, a good triple header weekend, and that can all change in one weekend. Yes, indeed. Indeed it can. So we'll keep an eye on that, Terry, as the season progresses, and hopefully uh, – uh, I can pick up a few points here and there somewhere and uh, get a little bit better at this. Well, Along I would say this. Uh, as you say, I would say this uh, matter of uh, trash talking a little bit there. Uh, normally, most of the people don't like to take Noah Gregson, and somebody got him this weekend, and I didn't get him. That would have helped me out. So you you got over <laughs> on me anyway there. 
Because uh, well, I, I think it was you to pick. I did. Well, you're, you're picking then Mike, and I was like, I was next. I was like, I know Mike ain't taking him, and you normally don't, but you were on point with it because – I think he I think he had the better car. He didn't get the win, but and uh you saw that in his post race. He was a little disappointed mm-hmm. with that. Well, it was in front of his hometown crowd. I, I know he wanted to get that win uh in front of the hometown uh, team if you will. And uh he came really close. He came really close. I thought he was going to do it uh but then it it just didn't happen at the end. We'll talk more about uh that Xfinity series race. Uh, starting at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Uh, but, uh, wow, uh, I thought all of the racing this weekend was really, really good. Uh, we'll do our our uh, truck series race at 9.15 tonight. We'll do Xfinity at 9.30, and then we'll do the uh, Cup, though, if, if, uh, just to give you an idea of when to tune in for which series that we're going to review. Um our guest is here already. I'm going to go ahead and bring him into the queue uh, because uh, that way we will get a little extra time with him if he's up for that. Uh, but I'm super excited to have uh, on our show here tonight uh, one of our very own, James Bickford, part of our Fan for Racing crew. He, he plays our Fan for Racing fantasy game with us every week. And uh, uh, when I get a chance, uh, I ask him to co-host on occasion, and he does come in and co-host, and he brings guests along with him, and we really appreciate all that you do, James. Welcome to our show here tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me once again. Um, it's been a it's been a while, but I'm glad to be here and give an update about what's going on uh, with my life, and of course the the last week's uh, or this weekend's fantasy could have gone a little bit better for me but unfortunately eric jones hit the wall at the very end but thanks for having me on ouch <laughs> yeah i listen i i'm not doing very well in any of the series this year so i had one driver that did pretty well noah gregson on at the uh, xfinity series race but uh the rest of mine kind of fizzled out at the end but uh we've still got a long ways to go james we'll catch up Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about uh, James Bickford because you're right. You haven't been on for a while, uh, and uh, you, we've been talking with you ever since uh, your late ra- late model racing days and Canon Pro Series days, um, and uh, it just kind of we just kind of clicked or something, and <laughs> and things just kind of worked out where you co-hosted a few times for us, but. What we all want to know is, what are you doing now? Uh, the next big thing in NASCAR, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I am currently pursuing opportunities in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Um, really working hard on it. I have been over, been able to build a very good team around me over the course of a year now, and I think I'm I'm on the verge of getting something done and getting back on track and hopefully making my first national series start. That's, that's what I'm really working hard on. Still, still in the works of things, of, of course, uh, but I've been incredibly busy. Uh, I work frequently with BMW, so I've uh, really developed my road course skills. I go over to tracks across the country, uh, teach people, drive cars, 
um, and, and I'm doing that mostly in South Carolina and, and tracks around the country. Um, I'm also now part of the Charlotte Phoenix, and I'm currently involved with a, a Coke Series team, an uh, eNASCAR Coca-Cola Series team, where I'm the team manager, and I'm trying to bring my background of real-life racing into sim racing and hopefully trying to connect those two together uh, a little bit more fluently. <clears throat> Oh, that sounds awesome. Uh, I know last year <laughs> iRacing was kind of a big thing, uh, along with the Coca-Cola eNASCAR. Uh, tell us what the difference is between eNASCAR and iRacing. Is it the same? Is it different? What are the, what, what's the thing there? Um, so I would, I would define it as, so iRacing, if you, if you, it obviously has a bunch of different cars and, and a bunch of different tracks that, um, and when you subscribe to the service, you can be a part of. And eNASCAR is just a series within um, that realm. So you could look at it as saying stock cars and saying the NASCAR Cup Series, right? So you're driving stock cars, but you're in the NASCAR Cup Series. So the eNASCAR Coca-Cola Series is the official sanctioned NASCAR um, racing or digital racing that takes place okay. and a bunch of incredibly talented drivers uh, who are incredibly skilled at sim racing. Um, there's 40 of them, and they do a full season of 18 races, and they compete for $350,000 of prizes. So it, it's, a, it's an awesome series and definitely a lot of attention around it. It's a fun community. If you take a look at it and you want to be a part of it, um, tuning into the streams and starting to learn the drivers, it's, there's a lot of great personalities and a, gr- a lot of great storylines. You have the whole back and forth now uh, between Charlotte Phoenix and Space Station Racing with uh, Jake Fisher, Timmy, Gabe Herschel, and uh, and Will Rogers. They're all together on that team. And then, uh, obviously, you have what used to be Kligerman Sport with Parker Kligerman. You have E-Racer. So it's a, it's a lot of good back and forth uh, commentary on social media, and it's a really fun community to be a part of. Now, I did see you've got a big event coming up uh, on Friday. I think it's Friday the 11th, right? Yes. Yes, we we have uh, an event coming up um, Friday the 11th. I'm trying to think. What could that be? Uh, is, that, is that a race? That is a race, correct? It is a race. Uh, I saw it. Where did I see it? I was just going to go back here and see if I could could find the info on it. Um, I saw it earlier today, and now I can't put my hands on it. I apologize for that. Yeah, so the the next Coke Series race um, is the 15th. The 11th, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the 11th is. But uh, the the 15th is the the Coke Series race, which is going to be um, at the new Atlanta Motor Speedway, which is going to be super awesome. Um, but were you able to find it? Not yet. Not yet. I'm still working. <laughs> no problem. Okay, so tell us about the 15th then. That's uh, yeah. the so, uh, our two drivers. Yeah, our two drivers, Graham Bullen and Colin Keister, are racing uh, at the new Atlanta Speedway. Um which is going to be uh, it's going to be the first experience there, and they're renting the the next gen cars, and 
it's just a, a follow-up. Graham was able to finish P3 last uh, last week, last Tuesday um, at Las Vegas. So we've got a lot of momentum going into this race. But, yeah, they're two awesome drivers, and and uh, it, was, it was really interesting in the whole free agency period uh, acquiring our drivers. Okay, very cool. I did find that information. It's called the Phoenix Friday Face-Off Presents at McDonald's on March the 11th. Uh, compete in the 3v3 Rocket League for $500 prize pool. Yes, yes. So, our, our, our Rocket that, that, the, the Rocket League side of things on the Charlotte Phoenix, yeah, it's, it's going to be an awesome event. Um, we do a lot of things uh, around Rocket League because we do have a professional Rocket League team. Um, Rocket League is just one of the many games that would be under the umbrella of esports. Um, and we, we have a, a team that, that plays. It's, it's, um, there was a partnership. I don't know if you saw this. There was a partnership between NASCAR and Rocket League, which Rocket League is a card soccer game. And um, they, the Charlotte Phoenix has been very closely related to NASCAR um, and had a great partnership existing. So now adding McDonald's onto that list. Okay. Okay. So fans can check that out, I guess, this Friday. Um, and it, you can find – it's on the uh, Charlotte Phoenix uh, timeline for uh, Twitter if you want to check that out. But uh, it sounded like it was going to be uh, quite a bit. So tell us about your team at Charlotte Phoenix. Yeah, so we have a bunch of companies that are under – what you'd consider Carolina esports. Um, mm-hmm. Now, there's the Charlotte Phoenix, which is our professional sports team. So that's our Rocket League team. That's our Apex Legends team, which is a uh, a first-person shooter game. Um, and then you obviously have iRacing as a recent addition to that, with me heading the iRacing team and building the whole program uh, around iRacing for Charlotte Phoenix. Um, we also have Stay Plugged In, which connects school players to college recruits. So it's kind of like a matching service. Um, there are a lot of scholarships and a lot of colleges that are building an eSport program or eSport programs that are trying to find students um, that are, are good academically and also capable um, in, in the whole eSports world depending on which game they play. Um, so it's just a service that connects both of them together. Emerge being our apparel brands and um, helping with high school teams and college teams develop merchandise and also um, maybe private streamers or eSports teams themselves. And um, it's, it's, a, it's kind of an all-in-one uh, program that, that has all of those things underneath it. We also have the live events that take place, which we had the, the first, as, as far as we know, the first iRacing live event happened with about 125, 150 people. So we had uh, Monday Night Racing has a bunch of awesome drivers like Kyle Busch and Dale Earnhardt Jr. And the final four from that series on iRacing uh, raced up on stage, and we had a few other racers that were there. It was a super awesome event, great people, and, and that's something that we also do now is live events. That, that is really cool. I know NASCAR has really uh, kind of gotten behind, uh, especially recruiting at the colleges and bringing – I racing and esports to the colleges. 
uh, from the NASCAR perspective. And so you're shedding some light on that for me, on how all of that is kind of coming together. Uh, and uh, uh, I think I think this is pretty cool. I know last year uh, or two years ago, when the pandemic first happened, a lot of people were tuning in and watching iRacing for the first time on Fox Sports uh, because we didn't have any other racing to watch. So that was that was really nice. Uh, that we had that to watch. Yeah, and the the college scene is making a big push, uh, you know, and it's 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 a pretty awesome environment. But yeah, this is and the the whole involvement with the Charlotte Phoenix for me um, is all in pursuit of trying to make real life racing happen. Um, obviously, Charlotte Phoenix has uh, a great brand, and I think that there is a possibility that maybe somebody would be interested of connecting the two together, right? You have your sim racing and reaching out to a brand new community um, that's a whole mm-hmm. new demographic of people that are interested um, to real-life racing and trying to bring those more synonymous with each other. So that's mostly my involvement. Uh, my involvement um, is trying to develop that program so it is capable of bringing sponsorship for my real life and, and applying it there. Think of it as like a another addition to the things that I can bring to the table as a driver and just being more well-rounded. Yes, I think that's fantastic. Now, I haven't forgotten that Jay is here. I think he thinks I probably forgot about him. <laughs> but, Jay, I just had a lot of questions on this, and uh, I knew Jay, uh, James would clear that all up for me. So thank you for bearing with me. Yeah, well, actually, one of them, he just kind of hit on that of of – you know, as a driver, and I know you're working very hard to get back on track, and we can't wait to see that uh, when that happens. Yes. But to then still be actively involved in the the racing community, especially even at the NASCAR level with the uh, e-racing and, and i-racing, with that, what what is the importance? You mentioned some names there, Will Rogers, Parker Kligerman, and yourself, of what drivers actually bring to that. I mean, it's not just a computer program that was designed by somebody that that has the technology side. The, what the drivers bring to that, be participating in it, but also bring to the evolution of the reality of it. Yes, yeah, so I will say that the, I rate, the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola series is very, it's very interesting at the moment. Now, for a Kligerman sport now turned into e-racer or e-racer or like a Steve Letart um, e-sports or, or something around that, usually it's somebody that's been involved in racing that understands how to make the program grow, which is what eNASCAR has as an interest is how do we make this bigger than it is, um, which is why you would want to bring and you know, have an alliance with people that have been in the industry and can make it work and already have a foundation to build off of. Now, with me involved with the Charlotte Phoenix, they're an eSports Oregon. They're, all, they're not all familiar with racing. And that's where I come into play is I, I have a little bit of an idea of how a race team should operate, um, what are the things that are necessary, and how do we make this, how do we expand this further than what it, it already is? Um, so now I've built a great team. I've uh, David Schildhouse, who is one of the, the top content creators in, in all of uh, the NASCAR iRacing side of things. Um, you know, we have Ryan Vargas, who I just brought on as a, as, a, as a content creator for the show at Phoenix. And what I'm doing here is I'm building a program um, where it has more attention towards it 
and making it, trying my best to make it bigger than it already is and making iRacing bigger. So that way, um, in, in, in trying to get back on track um, and get back on the real-life track, um, it's, just, it's just more value, right? It's just more value mm-hmm. to able when I go make a pitch for something um, and like in the NASCAR Camp and World Truck Series or NASCAR Xfinity Series. Okay. Well, I got one more, Sharon, there. Talking about your BM, BMW program uh, with that, I mean, you're not only trying to get yourself on, you're still out there trying to help others. You, you mentioned that of, of teaching some to drive and, and for myself of, of just getting to ride with you uh, at one of the races where, where you were at. Um, getting to ride with you as a fan that was enough for me uh i'm not looking to uh get out on the track i'll stick to announcing but you're out there also then helping others improve as you said it improved your road coursing road course skills but helping others as they learn and develop yeah i've been able to do a lot of things uh across the country leading programs and and teaching students i've been able to drive a lot of awesome cars um was in a, a factory bmw race car uh, not too long ago at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So it keeps me active behind the steering wheel and also awesome to teach others the art of driving. So doing a lot of schools where we're with people for, with individuals for two days, coaching them, instructing them, and making them better high-performance drivers. And also it just keeps me behind the steering wheel so that way, so that way I'm ready for the opportunity when it comes. Well, I got I got to commend you for that. Uh, I know we, we've had some that that we've talked to in the past, but like I said, I mean, working on your own as well as in you love the sport that much, you want to see help others to improve their game as well. Because again, if you race against the best, uh, measure it up. You want good competition out there, uh, so that's great to see, James. Yes, I try hard at it. Okay, well, James. Uh, uh, I'm so glad you were able to come on here tonight and kind of uh, tell us a little bit more about it. Uh, I am going to check out the e-racing a little bit more. I know uh, a couple of years ago we had one of the champions come on and uh, chat with us a little bit about it, too. I can't remember. His first name was Dave, and that's all I remember. Um, he went. He had, he had smoke in his uh, um his uh, name, his handle, and, and that's all I remember now. But uh, it was fascinating. Then I'm still fascinated by it, uh, and uh, I'm glad to learn more about it. And as far as your NASCAR Camping World Truck Series debut, uh, do you have an idea of when that might happen? I don't have an idea of when it might happen. I can tell you when I would like it to happen. Um, which would be Martinsville. That's a, that's a big one that I'm, I'm really working hard to, to make happen. Um, obviously, no guarantees and, and still, still working on things, but Martinsville Speedway um, would be the biggest one, right? That's the, that's the yep. big one that's circled coming here in April. Yep, the oldest track in, on, in NASCAR's uh, circuit is Martinsville Speedway, so that is a big deal. And uh, I hope it all does work out for you. James, because uh, I know how hard you've worked uh, to get uh, things going with your career. And and all the things that you do, you are not uh, somebody who sits on the sidelines. You're out there doing all the time. So uh, I appreciate that about you. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, 
it's a it's a lot of hard work, but you know it it all it all pays off in the end. Yes, indeed. Well, again, thank you so much for being here tonight. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to have you back again. Uh, I couldn't make it tonight, and I said I can't ask James to be the co-host on the night that he's our guest. <laughs> so, I uh, did not did not uh, tap you for that tonight, but uh, I'm glad uh, Jay was available. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate both of you having me on. Okay, and uh, we'll certainly keep you in mind again, future. So good luck to you, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you the next time. Thank you. We'll make something happen. (laughs) Okay. Take care now. All right, that is James Bickford, uh, one of our own here at Gamp Racing, uh, and part of our crew here. Uh, but he is a very, very busy guy, uh, helping others, as you put it, Jay, uh, within the racing world. And uh, through the iRacing and eNASCAR uh, venues, if you will, uh, I, I've really got to watch more of it because it is fascinating uh, how, all that they do. Well, and, and again, you mentioned the, the involvement. I mean, all the top teams are using simulators to to maximize that. And again, as you mentioned, make it grow, but also be a part of it evolving because we have seen yeah. uh, William Byron. William Byron is the first one that comes to mind of that's where he came from was e-racing or i-racing. And I think back even against yep. Dale Jr. and Martin Truex, that's how they got hooked yep. up. How Truex really got come come into a chance to motorsports, I think, back back then in the Xfinity series, back which is now junior day. motorsports. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, there are some great benefits to it. We just don't uh, need to, to tap into it, like you said. And a lot of drivers, that's how they prepare for some of these tracks that they've never been to before uh, when they're coming into NASCAR uh, if they can get in the simulator and race some of these tracks that way, it's it's pretty close. I'm not going to say it's exact, but it is pretty close to what they're going to experience on the racetrack, and it gives them a kind of a, a head start, if you will, before they get to the track. But we're going to get into oh, that our track. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm going to have to message James. I, that was one I wanted to, to ask him if he had done the Chicago street course uh, on iRacing oh, yes. and what his thoughts are. Yeah, I'll, to, I'll, I'll message him and see if we can't get an update uh, from him on that. Oh, okay, awesome. Okay, um, I'll let you do that, and I will go ahead and give the, start the preview of that truck series race that took place Friday night out at Las Vegas. Uh, and uh, Chandler Smith uh, won the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200 in the truck series at Las Vegas on Friday night after making a race-winning pass on the back stretch of the last lap. Uh, the win was the very first of the year and his first at Las Vegas in the third of his career. Smith pulled a crossover on Zane Smith on the back stretch to get that win, the 38th uh, Zane Smith was second. Uh, that was later rescinded. Hello.
Okay, my apologies. Uh, that was my fault. I thought I was um, hitting one button and I hit another and knocked myself off. So, Jay, are you here? Yeah, I'm back on as well. <laughs> okay, my apologies. That was uh, operator error in that case. Uh, but I'll continue here with the review of that truck series race. Um, Anyway, Smith pulled that crossover. I started to say that Zane Smith had a penalty, a post-race penalty, so he did not end up in second place, uh, but that is where his truck finished. Uh, Kyle Bush was in third, Stuart Friesen finished fourth, then it was Ryan Priest rounding out the top five, then Tanner Gray, Matt DiBenedetto uh, finished uh, sixth and seventh, followed by Matt Crafton, who made his 500th. Career started at Las Vegas. He finished eighth. Brett Holmes and Austin Wayne Self round out the top ten. The pole sitter was John Hunter Nemechek. He ran near the front throughout most of the night, but he was involved in a multi-truck crash on the last lap. Uh, the number 99 of Ben Rhodes won the first two stages, but he also had an accident after contact with his teammate, the number 66 of Ty Majeski on lap 105. Uh, that took him out of the race. So there were 21 lead changes among 10 drivers and 10 cautions for 52 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 92.223 miles per hour. And again, following the post-race inspection, the number 38 of St. Smith, uh, they did not conform to NASCAR's rule specifications per the following rule, and as it pertained to lug nuts, apparently. Uh, so... Uh, that was uh, Tanner Smith got his third victory in his 40th Camping World Truck Series start. Uh, again, his first victory and first top 10 of this season. His first victory and second top 10 in four races at Las Vegas. Um, then Kyle Busch finished in third. He Actually, second, he posted his sixth top 10 finish in six races at Las Vegas. Dean Thompson was the highest finishing rookie. He finished 12th, and uh, that was a very cool race. Jay, your thoughts about the, those race results? Yeah, it was, and you didn't know it till the end. Um, I actually had recorded it. It ran long, so I didn't get the end. And even on the replay, when they tried to condense it, I had to make three <laughs> recordings over replays to, to finally get to see those final laps. Um, you didn't wow. know how it was going to come out. Yeah. Yes. Um, I look at, look at a couple things here, you know, congratulations to Chandler Smith, uh, Kate, uh, Kyle Bush, again, very upset with, uh, as it turns out, second place, but a third place uh, finish for him, even though it's his truck and, and team that won, uh, as we've seen in the past with uh, with John Hunter Nemechek, he still don't like to finish second to his own team. So exactly. um, some great things there, but the, the strength of KBM um, is very solid yet again this year. Uh, in the middle of that, though, you got Zane Smith, who although ended up being disqualified due to the lug nut issue, looking at that team, again, picked up the win at Daytona, ran second there, they're going to be strong this year. So I'm really looking forward to this truck series as we see this competition and Matt DiBenedetto getting another top 10, you know, coming to yes. the truck series, not having run in it. Uh, they're already knocking off top 10s. 
And then you got, you mentioned uh, veterans, Matt Crafton, defending champion, uh, Ben Rhodes. Yeah, uh, stuff happens. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, I think he got shuffled at the very end as well. Uh, when mm-hmm. he end up 25th? He was another KBM truck that was up there in it till the end. Um, going to be a great season. I don't know if we'll see somebody like John Hunter pick up multiple victories, although right now Zane Smith easily could have these first couple. Yeah, several cars were actually taken out by accident, uh, including uh, Jordan Anderson, Spencer Boyd. I think Spencer Boyd had a broken arm or something from his accident. I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, Christian Eckes was involved in an accident. That was the one, I think, um, uh, toward the end there. Uh, also, Chaz, Dad Moppet uh, was running, but uh, Chaz Grala had an engine issue. Uh, other people caught up in accidents, Ben Rhodes, Jack Woods, Haley Deegan, and Colby Howard. Uh, I'm not sure what DVP stands for. Do you know what DVP stands for, Jay? Uh, no, I don't. I'm not seeing where. Um, I do not. I don't know that I have seen that before. I've not seen that before. Uh, so I can't tell you what that means, but that was pertaining to uh, Blaine Perkins uh, and why he finished uh, at the back of the pack. Um but, yeah, just about anything and everything that could happen did happen. And uh, there was some wild racing going on. Some of the best racing in the series, I think, happens here in the truck series. The margin of victory, by the way, was 0.289 seconds. Uh, that's how close it was at the finish line. Do you want to cover the uh, points report, Jay? All right. Uh, with that, Chandler Smith, after two races, is going to be your points leader by five over Tanner Gray. And we didn't even mention him. Uh, I know you said you read him off there in the in the top ten um, as far as finish, but he's only five points behind. Chandler Smith, with the victory, does already have the five playoff points. Tanner Gray being five back. Ty Majeski back in the truck series is 15 back. Then Ben Rhodes at minus 17. And Stuart Friesen now in the fifth spot at minus 22. Then you got Matt DiBenedetto. I mentioned two good runs uh, for him so far at 29. Carson Hosevar, Austin Wayne Self, Matt Crafton, and John Hunter Nemechek uh, are your top 10. And correct me if I'm wrong, the truck series now takes 10 to the playoffs. I know it's early, but that cut line is already, you know, drivers got to be watching mm-hmm. that already, I'm sure. <laughs> Exactly, Um, especially those that are below 10th. (laughs) That's where I was going to get to. Uh, That's where where we're at now. You've got Christian Eckes in 11th. 12th is Zane Smith, but his win at Daytona would vault him in, and that's why it's so important to see where these wins come from. Um, Then you have Timmy Hill, Kate Fogelman, Chris Wright, Spencer Boyd, and Tyler Ankrum. Okay, and Brett Holmes. are all the ones that have made two starts. I take that back. There's a couple. Okay, Parker Kligerman had one. Jesse Little. Uh, Lawless Allen, a rookie, um, is 21st in points, made two starts. So some of these will shift because uh, Parker Kligerman, I know, isn't running the entire season. And then uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if Jesse Little is, but they've only made one of the two starts. So they wouldn't be playoff eligible. That'll bump these other drivers up if it happens on points. Truck Series, 
you better not be making it or planning on making it in on points because the truck series is extremely <laughs> tight when it comes to a win yeah. and you're in that I think last year they had one make it in on uh, on points. Yeah, and there are some ties already. You know, Matt Benedetto and Carson Hosefa are tied uh, for that sixth and seventh spot. And then also for ninth and tenth, Matt Crafton and John Hunter Nemechek uh, both tied. Uh, so that's how close uh, this competition is going to be this year. Yeah, and I think it's only going to get tighter because we know, like I said, there's a couple. And you mentioned it, uh, with, you, you had Ben Rhodes. Uh, I had Christian Eckes, and I think it was six laps to go. The, the uh, caution oh, that no. came at six laps to go, that was my pick. And there again, he had, he had worked his way up. He hadn't been up there uh, all day I was watching, as I was watching the race. I'm like, oh, come on, get up there. And he got up there, starts mixing it up, and then six laps to go, uh, and, and he's out. Um, so you're going to see some of these, and, and we mentioned that, um, especially when it comes to Talladega. Uh, 14th place, Tate Fogelman picked up the victory at Talladega last year. That can vault the driver in above some of these guys that think they might be okay. That's true. That's very, very true. Okay, um, let's go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series uh, because they also raced on Sunday, I'm sorry, Saturday. And uh, the winner of that race was Ty Gibbs, age 19, in the number 54 Monster Energy Toyota for uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. His crew chief is Chris Gale. Ty Gibbs won the 26th annual Alto Uniform 300, his fifth victory in 21 Xfinity Series races, uh, his first victory and first top 10 finish of this season, and his first victory and first top 10 finish in two races at Las Vegas. Noah Gregson posted his seventh top 10 finish in seven races at Las Vegas and his third top 10 finish this year already. Daniel Hemrick finished third, posting his fifth top 10 finish in eight races at Las Vegas. Sheldon Creed in seventh was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, so uh, this was quite a race. If I Let me go ahead and give you the rest of that top 10 uh, for the Xfinity Series. Uh, Josh Berry finished in fourth place, Justin Algauer in fifth. Landon Castle finished in sixth place, followed by Sheldon Creed in seventh, A.J. Allmendinger in ninth, Brandon Jones tenth, going down two more because it's 12 drivers here in the Xfinity Series that go to the playoffs. It's Jeremy Clements finishing in 11th place. Well, I guess it's, yeah, 12 for the point standing, not necessarily for the race results. But John Hunter Nemechek finished in 12th place. Uh, Drivers running into incidents and caught up in accidents, Ryan Truex, Austin Hill, Ryan Vargas, Stefan Parsons, Jesse Awuji, Matt Mills, and Ryan Seed all caught up in uh, accidents on the track. Brendan Poole had an engine issue. Uh, the number nine of Noah Gregson won the first two stages of this race. The margin of victory was under caution. Um, and then there were 11 caution flags for 65 laps and 17 lead changes among nine drivers. So uh, quite an eventful race in the Xfinity Series as well. 
And I don't even know if in 14 minutes we can cover all the different storylines from this race. <laughs> uh, start, start at the top, Ty Gibbs. We know he's got the talent. We saw that last year. Running full-time this year, um, admitted he made a mistake, uh, but there were some issues there uh, within the race. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ryan Sieg is the one that uh, he was involved with mm-hmm. there. Not sure. I, I don't know what your take on that is. We'll can maybe get into it in hot topics. Um, if there was retaliation or not, there certainly seemed to be. But Noah, you mentioned Noah Gregson, uh, and we'll get to Mike on hot topics. Three races, three top tens. I believe it's fifth, sixth, and I'm sorry uh, for Noah Gregson. It's third, second, and second in the first three races so far this year. Um, so when we get to the points, we'll look at that. Should put him at the top of the chart. Starting out very, very strong. Uh, then you got the college racing. Daniel Hamrick, last year's champion with Joe Gibbs Racing, now with college racing, come home third. And junior motorsports as a whole. Let's see. Uh, second, fourth, where, oh. Algar, I'm sorry. Yes, fifth, and okay. in yeah, fifth. Second, fourth. Yep, second, fourth, fifth. Um, I was looking for Sam Mayer, and I know he was running up there towards the he end. He had some yeah, issues, I think. Yeah, he listed in 25th, yep. Right. I um, think he had was a, running up there a, and battling. Yeah, and he had, he had a tire issue that took him kind of out. That's for, it, yep, that's it. There we go, that's right. So, yeah, a lot of shuffling there. Um, and I know for the X- these Xfinity Series teams, I know we talk a little bit more about it on the cup side, but they actually were required to run the same car from uh, Auto Club at California to Las Vegas. So there again, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's almost like a double header on the same day. A lot of things going on there with that. That, uh, you know, again, the intent is to try and help them save money, save them from themselves. Um, but a lot of great storylines that, that came through that. Uh, I'm trying to think of the the number 10, uh, Landon Castle, because that car actually was on fire out at Auto Club. Mm-hmm. They got it back to Charlotte. They said, I think, Tuesday night that maybe the crew was worked all night, and that was the car that was back at Las Vegas. Uh, and he ended up yeah. with a sixth place finish you know that was a huge storyline coming out of there so and college racing another one uh that we've seen uh, build their program they moved up to the cup series now to got already have last year's champion with the team uh the the champion this year could come from that team and it might not be daniel hemrick defending defending the title yeah it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because uh, they don't have the new car that they're dealing with, uh, but uh, these teams are putting in a lot of time, say, there's the supply chain issues, uh, and that trickles down to the Xfinity and the truck series as well. So they have to be very careful with their equipment and, and try to avoid those accidents. Uh, I was listening uh, to SiriusXM earlier this week. Uh, I guess it was on Sunday before the race. Uh, they were talking about how, um, uh, you know, to fix these cars, it takes uh, uh, 
they, they take one car that's shared with another team that they harvest the parts from that one car uh, to help out the two different teams, uh, and that's in the Cup Series. But uh, I'm sure the same thing's happening in these lower tiers as well because they're, they're short on parts and pieces. So, and if somebody's car gets wrecked, there goes their backup car for parts and pieces that they might need throughout this, the weekend. So it, it really is kind of a tricky business right now when it comes to the equipment in all the series. Uh, most certainly. The other couple I want to highlight there from the top ten, you mentioned a uh, top finishing rookie. Sheldon Creed, and that was not without some uh, activity on the track as well. He was one of those that kind of got um, scrubbed, not wrecked, but scrubbed up anyway in uh, somebody else's uh, incident, <coughs> um, but still came back to finish eighth. And we know Austin Hill is a rookie there, both for Richard Childress Racing, picking up the victory at Daytona. Uh, we're seeing some strong runs from that team as well, and they're both competing for Rookie of the Year. Austin now locked in with that victory. I think we'll see one from Sheldon Creed as you watched him come from the Arkham and Ard series through the truck series, now into the Xfinity series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to see uh, really good things uh, from them. These tracks are becoming, especially as the tracks become more and more familiar to them and the equipment that they're racing in this year. So let's go ahead now and cover the points report. You kind of referenced All it right. a little bit there. Yeah, I did uh, mention uh, Noah Gregson. I uh, just said it had happened. Oh, my points didn't come up. Give me one second to pull up the uh, points. Okay. Um, Noah Gregson having having a third, second, and a second place finish uh, on the year so far. Which is very, very good. I lost my, my, lost my internet. Give me one second. Okay, well, I can go ahead and do the top five while you're doing that, and then we'll check in okay. with you. Thank you. Noah Gregson at the top of the list uh, in the number nine car at 144 points. He's got the two stage wins and two playoff points. Uh, Ty Gibbs in second place at 127 points has the one race win from this weekend, giving him those five playoff points. A.J. Allmendinger in third place, 21 points back. Uh, and then you've got Justin Algauer, uh at 120 points. And Josh Berry, another junior motorsports team, three junior motorsports team in that top five. Uh, Josh Berry at 36 points back. And uh, I, I know we're going to see things from them throughout this year. Uh, if you can continue there, for some reason my Internet isn't connecting Okay, then in sixth place, we've got Daniel Hemrick. He's at 41 points. He's got two playoff points uh, for two stage wins. Riley Earps in seventh. Anthony Alfredo is eighth. Uh, and then we've got Sam Mayer in ninth place and Austin Hill in tenth. Now, Austin Hill's at 74 points. I'm sorry, at 70 points back. I didn't see any ties in that group, although the points uh, are kind of close in some instances. If we go to 12th place, uh, that would include Ryan Sieg and Brandon Jones. They are 72 and 74 points back. Um, below that cut line, 
You have Brandon Brown, Sheldon Creed, Jeb Burton, J.J. Yaley uh, to round out the top 16. And the next four are Kyle Seager, rookie, Landon Castle, Brett Moffat, Jeremy Clements, and Trevor Bain. Um, was Trevor, Trevor Bain racing this weekend? He wasn't racing this weekend, was he? Uh, no, uh, Ryan Truex was in that number 18 Joe Gibbs That's machine right. this weekend. I don't remember, uh, okay. I don't remember when Trevor's, yeah, Trevor's next start is. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, but he's only got the one race out of the three that they've run so far, uh, for this series. So, uh, again, I thought that they put on a pretty good show. Uh, here in the uh, Xfinity Series out at Las Vegas. Uh, that track always has good races, uh, and uh, they did not disappoint this, this week at all. Well, and here's, here's where, I, where, where I alluded to. Your top three are three different organizations. Noel Gregson leading Junior Motorsports, Ty Gibbs, JGR, Joe Gibbs Racing, and then third is A.J. Almendinger with Colleg Racing. Now, Junior Motorsports has the next two, then College Racing. There you got Riley Herbst uh, with uh, Stuart Haas Racing. Then you got Anthony mm-hmm. Alfredo in that number 23. And I know they made a big um, strategy call and almost picked up a victory out at Auto Club, but that's a, our motorsports uh, car. Then Sam Mayer, and I mentioned rookie Austin Hill in 10th with that victory and then you got your independents uh ryan sieg and brandon jones right now i'm sorry ryan sieg and brandon jones jones is in the uh jgr car as well brandon brown is just outside Mm -hmm. in 13th um to see that that parody and we've seen that uh you know in in this series the ones i wanted to highlight there real quick our motorsports we see them building and although not running one driver but eventually I think we're going to see it. Another program being built is Sam Hunt Racing. John Hunter Nemechek coming home, uh, what was it, 12th place, I think. We've mm-hmm. seen that team do really well no matter what driver they put in. Once they get one driver and go full-time, I think you're going to see them up there in the mix as far as uh, championship contender as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that uh... – uh, the parody is wonderful. Uh, I love seeing the different names up in the top uh, 10, and uh, I think we'll continue to see that throughout the season, uh, especially with drivers like Landon Castle racing again in the Xfinity Series, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, as well as uh, Junior Motorsports is doing this year. Uh, we're going to see them in there. I think Stuart House Racing, as the season progresses, I think we're going to see them more and more up there in that top ten. So I'm looking forward to it, for sure. Most certainly. Uh, and, and you hit on one. That's another one I, I, want, to, I want to shout out here. And I, I think we got, what, two more weeks before we have uh, Ryan Vargas on. But J.D. Motorsports, yeah. uh, another one. We've seen some of these drivers, like Landon Castle, that – ran with them they see the capability of the driver knowing you know jd motorsports is not a top funded team um but getting these top tens top fives here and there that are what they can do and these drivers like landon castle then getting picked up by college racing jd motorsports is another one that i think in a year or two uh you know maybe even towards the end of this year 
um, we're going to see becoming a powerhouse there in the Xfinity Series as well. Yeah, I agree, 100%. Okay, moving on to the Cup Series for the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube. Race winner was Alex Bowman, age 28, in the number 48 Ally Chevrolet with uh, team owner Rick Hendrick and his crew chief, Greg Oz. Uh, he won the 25th annual Pennzoil 400, uh, his seventh victory in 228 Cup Series starts. His first victory and first top 10 finish this year, and his first victory and third top 10 finish in the 11 races at Las Vegas. Kyle Larson finished in second place. He posted his ninth top 10 finish in 12 races at Las Vegas and his second top 10 finish this season. Ross Chastain, running up front for a good part of the race, posted his first top 10 finish in eight races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Harrison Burton, who finished 16th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And, um, uh, again, this race, let me give you the uh, rest of that top 10 here in this series. Uh, Kyle Busch finished in fourth place. Then it was William Byron, Eric Amarola, Tyler Reddick, Martin Truex Jr., Chase Elliott, and Christopher Bell rounding out the top 10 here in the Cup Series. Your thoughts? Really super excited for the Cup Series here as well. Three races in, we started this last year. I don't remember how long the stretch went, but three races in, we got three different winners. Yes, we have a couple that maybe could have picked up a couple wins. Uh, Kyle Larson, obviously, having won last week and was second. Um, But there's some other names there. Ross Chastain, you mentioned, and with Trackhouse mm-hmm. Racing. Last week, it was Daniel Suarez that was up there battling for it in the final closing laps. Um, then you got your guys we expect to win or be contenders. Um, Kyle Busch, William Byron, Eric Almarola back on track. I believe the only driver so far this year to have finished in the top 10. That's where uh, I kept trying to put it on Noah Gregson. Eric Almarola's mm-hmm. finishes are fifth, sixth, and sixth on the year. Um, Tyler Reddick, uh, another solid run there too. He led more laps week in, at Auto Club than he had in his career so far. So these guys are up front running and contending with our normal contenders, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, uh, Christopher Bell, all winners from last year. Your top mm-hmm. So what, a, you know, the excitement that builds towards what we could have, and we talk about it with this next-gen car, that this was the goal. So far, we're seeing it in these first few races. We'll have to see as the top teams, or maybe it is one of these other teams, uh, Trackhouse Racing. You know, maybe they do hit on it quicker than even the powerhouse teams, and and we see mm-hmm. them uh, hit a good stretch like we've seen, uh, pick up some victories. I, I you know, Ross Chastain, his interview, uh, you know, you could tell he was just so excited. He was pumped. Yeah. He was very happy to be racing uh, competitively in the Cup Series. Uh, now, some of the drivers that had incidents throughout this race, had uh, Eric Jones was involved in an accident. Uh, Denny Hamlin had a drivetrain issue. Um, uh, Cole Custer had a problem with his engine. Greg Biffle with the fuel pump. And then three drivers caught up in the accidents include uh, 
I mentioned Derek Jones already. Then there's Chase Briscoe, Ryan Blaney, and Daniel Suarez all caught up in the accident. Uh, Bowman won the first stage. It was Ross Chastain who won the second stage. Uh, the margin of victory in this race was 0.178 seconds, so it was a close finish. There were 12 caution flights for 60 laps and 23 lead changes among 15 drivers. So uh, some some names that uh, probably didn't want to be highlighted uh, for having car issues this weekend. Well, and the other thing I look at there, this one too, I had recorded and was watching and I made the mistake of uh, getting on Facebook to check something else. And being that I follow oh. Alex Bowman, that one popped up. Yeah, so I'm one, I'm a race fan. I'm still going to watch it. And yeah, coming down in those closing laps, yeah, I think he was running fourth at the time. You know the outcome. You just don't know how it happened. You can't walk away. <laughs> you know, everybody wants to say, oh, it's a, you know, Kyle Larson, run away with it. And in this case, it was, I think, Ross Chastain. Look at the lap, le- laps led. Yeah, Ross Chastain led 83 laps. He was the uh, yep. highest uh, lap leader. Um, you know, and Tyler Reddick, I think back to Tyler Reddick out at Auto Club uh, last weekend before he had a problem. Um so to know these guys are running up there, those finishes are going to come. You know, that's the first step is being able to run up there and contend with them. The finishes are going to come. Uh, you know, and then you look at, you mentioned at the bottom, and if we start at the bottom, uh, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Blaney, Chase Briscoe. All three of those, had they not been involved in an incident, had, uh, I think, Good top time. five contending cars anyway. You know, maybe, again, mm-hmm. not the win, but top five cars. Eric Jones, uh, there's another one a little bit further up, was running top 10 up until the, the very end um, mentioned that he, that he ended up uh, having, and I don't know if they ever determined what what his problem was. Something on the, uh, looked like the front end broke, turned hard into the wall. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was a hard hit. He's going to be sore this week. But that's that's two weeks in a row, though. He had a good top-running uh, car, talking about um, a team that rebuilding and, and really showing something this year, Richard Petty, uh, GMS Racing. And I was trying to look for uh, Ty Dillon ended up 20th. Uh, we've seen some uh, some good things out of him already, starting with the clash in Daytona. So, GMS and Richard Petty Motorsports, that partnership seems to be paying off strong already. Yeah, the clash was at the Coliseum this year, Jay. Oh, what did I, I'm sorry, did I say Daytona? Yeah. Okay, Uh, let's go ahead and cover the uh, points report here. All right. Again, as I mentioned, he could have could have possibly won all three so far, but he's got one win. Kyle Larson is your points leader as the defending champion. Uh, Martin Truex is next back minus six. Truex does have two stage wins and two playoff points already, though. Larson having the five for the victory. Then you got Joey Logano at minus nine. Austin Sindrick minus ten, but he's got the victory and five playoff points already. Then we get to Kyle Busch in fifth place at 102. He's 11 back, six through 10th. There you got Eric Almarola. Again, mentioned three top five or three top tens. 
has him in sixth spot at minus 16 back. Chase Elliott, minus 25. Alex Bowman, coming into the race, I think he was like 25th in points. Points-wise, he moved all the way up to eighth, but the victory locks him in, and he picked up a stage win as well, so he's got six playoff points built up already. Then you got Bubba Wallace in ninth, Austin Dillon in tenth. For the Cup Series, we've got to go through 16 here to look at right now. Uh, I know it's early three races in, but can't help it. Uh, Kurt Busch, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, Chase Briscoe, Eric Jones, and Kevin Harvick. Those are your top 16. That would be your playoff-eligible drivers. However, I want to highlight here, if I can, you got to look down. Tyler Reddick in 18th. We've seen him have strong runs. Has two stage wins, two playoff points if he gets in. Ross Jastain picked up the stage win in a playoff points. He's right now in 20th. And you mentioned a couple of drivers have that one or two bad weeks. Daniel Suarez had a good week last week, rough week. He's now the one in 25th. He's only 60 points out, and that's one full race worth of points is 60 points. Um, so that's where we're looking at. Even in in three races, the top 25 are within one race worth of points. It's amazing. Well, and scroll, scrolling down, I mentioned uh, Christopher Bell. I know he got a top 10 out of it. Uh, picked up a win last year and was was in the playoffs. And Denny Hamlin, right now they're 29th and 30th in points, which is where you got to be in order to even be eligible. We know they're going to get back up there. It's a matter of how high, how high can they climb or are they going to need that victory um, to bump all the way in, even if they don't get into the top 16 in points. Well, don't they have to be in the top 20 as well, or is it the no, top cup, 30? Cup Series is top 30. Cup Series is top okay. 30. Okay, so yeah, but that's not where they wanted to be at this point of the year. Uh, but we know that those guys are good drivers, and, and we're going to see movement, I think, in the in the points this year, uh, unlike any other year. Most certainly, and, I, and that's what caught my attention. There was, uh, I know, uh, this past weekend, Hamlin uh, ended up out. Uh, I think he, I, from what they said on TV did it himself with the instead of the H pattern shifting the one directional, I can't think of the term they used, but uh, trying to shift and did it himself of went forward with it when he was supposed to be pulling back because he was thinking of yeah. the cool H pattern that he had to go over and up um, and strip the gears. But uh, I didn't realize he was that bad in points uh, currently sitting in 30th. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, you don't think of Denny Hamlin making those kind of mistakes, uh, but these guys have been driving those other cars for so long, I can I can see where that could happen uh, as they're adjusting to this car and the differences that are in this car. And it gives you a feeling uh, for why there is, why we're seeing all kinds of different results than you would normally expect at this time of the year. Uh, here in the Cup Series is uh, all of the adjustments that uh, these drivers are making uh, with this new car. So it's going to, I think by the time we get to the second half of the season, uh, that's where we're really going to see who's who's got it for the, the long haul here. 
Well, and that was one, and, and it was Danica Danica Patrick in the booth that talked about that, that, yeah, that is something we talked about with the next-gen car. These uh, older drivers or more experienced ones may have to unlearn some things. That is one that, that they actually did talk about. Uh, I believe it's called straight line shifting, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken now, yes. versus the H pattern. And, yeah, a couple of, I think uh, during the Xfinity Series race, Maybe Joey Logano had mentioned something about that um, with uh, running occasionally running the Xfinity series of that back and forth now and the difference between them. So, but other things we are seeing, you know, these other drivers that, and I know rookie, we, we talk about um, Austin Sindrick, uh, currently fourth in points, having picked up the victory. And I know back here, Harrison Burton right now is 32nd in points. I think he ended up 16th. Yeah, he was 16th this past weekend. A couple of rough, rough starts in those first two races. Yeah. We're going to see him get his feet under him. And so far, everything has not been of his doing. I, I heard an interview with him. You know, that's one of those of just wrong place at the wrong time. Daytona ended up on his lid. He was up in the top 15, I believe, 10th to 15th mm-hmm. uh, when that happened. Uh, Auto Club, same thing. And I think he actually was, a, it didn't take him out, but he also was a, a little scraped up in one this past weekend where it was not of his doing. He was just wrong place at the wrong time. And that'll eventually sort itself out, hopefully. Yes. Yes, I think it will. And, uh, you know, drivers, uh, at, as their comfort level uh, gets better with this car, uh, you're going to see them getting more, even more aggressive too, especially if the supply chain thing works itself out. Although I don't know if that's going to work itself out this year or if it's going to be a, a year or two before we get that worked out. Well, and I know you, you mentioned this um, for, during our Xfinity um, recap, Kyle Busch's car it spun out in practice the backup car that Joe Gibbs Racing had there for the four teams was a parts car. It had no motor in it. I believe it was uh, Hamlin's car because I think that's what was on the window. There, too, I think they said nine hours it took them, and they turned that around. Yep. Kyle Busch come home in, uh, what is it, fourth place finish. We'll get to that in Hot Topics. I know he wasn't real happy with that. But look at the overall, it was huge because he had to start from the back in a car that they had just basically built up with what the parks car was into a race ready <laughs> car. And he had a couple of incidences throughout the race as well. And to still come home, I know he was leading on that last, uh, if that caution hadn't come out, he'd have won it probably. Um, so I understand his frustration, but should be really proud of the team and what they're capable of with these cars. Absolutely, because there was a lot of effort uh, that went into uh, getting that car together. I I know the crew chief, I think it was Adam Stevens, he was talking about how uh, they they didn't have the person who normally wraps the cars there, so they had to hire somebody from out in Las Vegas to come in and do the wrap on the car um, and everything. It's very labor-intensive. Uh, what these guys have to go through now when they have to go to a backup car uh, because it's not like they have a, a fully functioning backup car sitting in the hauler. So uh, really quite a feat for that team, for sure. Yeah, 
Okay. Going back, going back to uh, going back to last week, it was Kevin Harvick's Stuart Haas racing team that that one too, as they yes. were rolling it out. I know that on the broadcast they said, "Oh, they mu- they must have had a backup car ready," and they're like, "No, I don't think they did. I think they rebuilt that or got that one ready and prepared." Um, so the capability is there, and as we see this go throughout the season, the parts issue, it'll get even better. But these guys are impressive with what they've been doing so far. They really are. They really are. When you when you start to consider all the things that they've had to deal with, uh, they have been impressive indeed. Okay, it is the top of the hour, uh, Jay, so you know what that means. It is time for us to go to our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, one of our crew members are here already. I believe it's Mike. Welcome hey, to the show, Mike. Sure How is everybody doing tonight? Doing well. How about yourself? You're not on the road tonight, huh? I'm not. I'm back home for the remainder of the week to sit here and wait for car parts that were promised to me months ago and might come in this week, but, you know, probably not because they never do. (laughs) It's just that kind of year. Um, Okay, and Andy just uh, uh, came into the queue here, so I'll bring him in to the show. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, how's it going, guys? How you doing? Real good. How about yourself? Oh, pretty good. All right. Uh, well, we are ready for Hot Topic Sound Off here tonight, so uh, we might as well go ahead and get started with that. And, uh, Andy, I'm going to let you go first. All right. This one kind of kind of funny, but... Um sort of been a bit of a buzz today. Uh, Alex Bowman, of course, wins the Cup Series race yesterday, and, and Kyle Busch makes comments saying that Alex Bowman backs his way into every single one of his wins, which isn't true, of course, but kind of an interesting comment and certainly got everyone talking today. So curious what everyone thought about that. Kyle Busch said that? Yeah, it was post-race comments. He said that uh, – of course, I can't repeat it verbatim, but he basically said that uh, uh, Alex Bowman just backs his way into wins all the time. In other words, he doesn't earn them. So it, it kind of got a bit of a buzz after the race yesterday. I would imagine it did. Um, Mike, what are your thoughts about that? Look, we all saw the end of the race yesterday, which, by the way, Jay, I thought yesterday's race was another really, really good race. So we are four or yeah. No, three out of three so far this year. We've only run three races. So we're three out of three this year for really good races. I hope the trend keeps up with the Gen 7 car. But anyway, at the end of yesterday's race, it was, I wouldn't say it was a foregone conclusion, but it was extremely likely that if the race had stayed green, Kyle Busch was going to win the race. He had the lead. He had a fairly commanding lead. It didn't look like anyone was really closing the gap to make a challenge to him in those last couple laps. But then the caution came out. And through a combination of pit strategy and some good solid restart work, Alex Bowman was able to, do, to run away with the win. And they're not going to write, Kyle Busch would have won this race if we didn't get a caution. They don't write that on the bottom of Alex Bowman's trophy. Alex Bowman won the race <laughs> yesterday, and that's just how it is. And I love the fact that Hendrick Motorsports just really likes to twist the knife on these guys who get really, really upset about stuff like this. Uh, we saw last year, Chase Elliott and his PR team selling the Christmas gear, mocking Kevin Harvick when, the, when Harvick took himself out of the chase last, uh, last season. And then we saw 
Uh, Bowman, again, after Denny Hamlin called him a hack, Alex Bowman selling T-shirts that say hack on it. Well, now, as of this afternoon, you can pre-order T-shirts from Alex Bowman's fan shop that say better lucky than good. Because, again, who won the race yesterday? Alex Bowman won the race yesterday, and that's all there is to it. Okay. Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, that's one of those, uh, you know, I know Kyle – Brings it on himself, but I mean, he just hates to lose. And he did have that one in those closing laps under control. Uh, it was Martin Truex, actually, that was uh, his teammate that was trying to run him down and and started losing ground. It wasn't going to happen. So uh, unfortunate that it happened. And I don't know all of Kyle's wins, but I'm sure if we look back, he's been handed one that, you know, where he wasn't the front runner or caught the right break at the right time. That's a, that's just sour grapes, and, and we've heard it before. Kyle Kyle is that mad when he's second. We've heard him that mad when he's won, you know, with the car tomorrow or something. So that that's just Kyle. And you're right. I like the fact that we talk about the mental games. Uh, I think uh, Sharon likes the Kevin Harvick's one that, especially come playoff time, likes to get in your head. Well, Kyle's trying with with these comments or. Apparently, it's a Joe Gibbs racing thing against Hendrick uh, with Denny Hamlin's uh, hack comment. Um, And they're just returning it and and profiting off of it. And I know from these shirts, I believe 18% of any of those Bowman shirts that get sold are are to charity. And I don't know if I heard that right, if it's going to Kyle Busch's charity or not. Uh, I heard that on uh, Race (laughs) Hub today. Uh, But 18% of sales is going to charity of some sort, you know. I mean, there's nothing else you can do, uh, you know. Uh, I, I certainly, you know, especially if if you talk about it being a rain delay or something, um, something like that, yeah, there might be some substance to it, but that's not the case with, with the wins that Alex Bowman has had. Uh, so, yeah, there is absolutely no validity to it. Was it a, a lucky break the way the caution felt? Yeah, that's racing. I mean, that happens. <laughs> so, uh I think it's funny, and the fact that Hendrick Motorsports uh, returns fire with the T-shirts and that gamesmanship, I think it's a great thing. Again, it's got got that buzz. People are talking about NASCAR. Exactly right. That is the name of the game. How do you get people talking about NASCAR? Well, there has to be a rivalry. And right now that rivalry uh, is, uh, well, Kyle Busch has kind of been the rival. for a long time, he's the driver that everybody loves to hate, uh, and they boo him at the racetrack, and it just motivates him more. Uh, but you're right, Kyle Busch hates to lose, and uh, anytime he loses, he is uh, sour grapes, and uh, it, it's it's just the way it is. Uh, but I think it's cool how these guys are taking it. Uh, to this next level and and turning it into uh, a profitability thing for a charity. Uh, so kudos to them for doing that. Uh, I think that's uh, the thing to do and, and to keep it lighthearted. Uh, I, 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 if they can keep it lighthearted without uh, people's feelings getting hurt, I, I'm all for it. Uh, the sport uh, was built on rivalries, and I'm sure we're going to see rivalries uh, develop and go and come back again. So, Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. 
Yeah, I mean, you don't win multiple cup races, you know, throughout one's career without talent. And, and, you know, obviously Alex Bowman has talent and has numerous times now put himself in position to win races. And that's what you have to do. Um, and in, the, in this case, you know, Greg Ives and that 48 team made the call that put him in position to win, and that's what they should have done. Um, and that's what they had to do, you know, and that's what all these teams try to do on a weekly basis to win the race. That's the goal, you know, and oftentimes the dominant car or the person that leads the most laps doesn't always win. And, you know, again, you, you've got to have talent and, and you've got to put yourself in position if you're going to win multiple cup races like Alex Bowman has done. So, um, you know, I found Bush's comments to be, it's off base from the standpoint of, you know, Alex Bowman doesn't just back into these wins by pure chance. You know, you've got to, you've got to have the talent, you've got to have the car, you've got to have the strategy and the team to put yourself in position. And that's what it's all about. The fact of the matter is the 48 team got the job done. The 18 team did not get the job done. And, you know, Kyle obviously hates to lose, but the fact is they lost. It's just the way it is. Um, you know, but that sense of entitlement that some of these guys seem to have, you know, for, you know, seemingly thinking they should have won the race or that someone should just pull over and let them go. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous <laughs> in my opinion. You know, I, I don't get it. And, and it's the same couple guys seemingly every week that, that do this for some reason. So I don't know. It is what it is, but you know, in my mind, you know, Alex Bowman and the 48 team did exactly what needed to be done uh, to, to win the race, and that's exactly what they did. So, and, and that's not the only time we'll see them do it this year. They'll, they're probably in position to win multiple races this year, like they did last year. And, um, you know, certainly um, I, I love the approach that, that uh, the 48 team, you know, Alex in particular, and, and what Chase Elliott has done, um, to to kind of make light of the situation, and I think that probably just makes those guys even more mad. So, which which makes me happy. So, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a fun it's a fun situation, and um, certainly you know hats off to the forty eight team for doing what needs to be done. But but to cap it off, I mean that's the beauty of of NASCAR. You know, it, it just when you think, and it doesn't matter who it is, but just when you think somebody's going to run away with a race or, or going to win, you know something happens, a caution comes out, yep. whatever the case may be. And and sometimes the strategy changes. Sometimes the the uh, the outlook or the the outcome of the race changes, and and someone else you know makes the right decision to put themselves in that position to win. And that's what's cool about it is, just when you think it's over, it's not. And and we see this a lot throughout the course of the season, and especially this year with this new car. I think that we'll see situations like this unfold. Um, multiple times throughout the season. And that's what makes it fun because you just really don't know until the race is over sometimes who's going to win it. So, um, but, but again, the goal is always to, to do what it takes to put yourself in position. And, and that's what the 48 team did. And, and it's not backing into a win. That's, that's doing what it takes to get the job done. So, um, you know, hats off to that team and uh, obviously a, a cool start to the year, you know, for uh, Bowman in that 48 group. It certainly is. Mike, follow-ups? I'm definitely with Andy on this one. I'm not happy if Kyle Busch is. So to see him get mad about it, please, please get mad. Because it just 
it really has just rubbed me the wrong way, the way Kyle Busch approached it. Like, he was entitled to this win. And I, I don't know that I would go so far as to say it was a big – he is trying to imply there's this big conspiracy. I'm sure Eric Jones didn't feel that way when he tried to knock the outside wall down. This isn't like, you know, William Byron had a mechanical failure and stopped on the backstretch or something like this to help his teammate out or something like that. This was a legitimate accident. Uh, I, I, I'm willing to bet the 43 teams, like I said, they didn't plan on trying to knock the outside wall down. And I'm sure Eric wishes he didn't have that hard of a hit. So it wasn't anything intentional. It was a racing thing. And like Andy said, one team got it done on pit road. Well, I guess two, since the five and the 48 both came out ahead of the, the Joe Gibbs racing cars. Those teams got it done on pit road, and some other teams, namely the 18 and the 19, didn't get it done. And the rivalry between Hendrick Motorsports and Joe Gibbs Racing, I think, is extremely healthy for the sport. Kind of like you guys have said, rivalries breed the interest, and the interest is what gets eyes on the screen and butts in the seats at the, at the track. So getting the, the – I don't think there's any debate that Hendrick Motorsports and Joe Gibbs Racing are the two very best teams in the sport right now, probably have been going back at least a decade. They've had their hot years and cool years here and there. But for the most part, we're talking about the two very best teams in the sport right now. So having that rivalry between them, that's great. And I don't mind seeing some hurt feelings either. And I would much prefer guys are poking, poking each other in some post-race interviews or making some T-shirts. That's much healthier than going and punching each other in the face or even worse, trying to wreck each other on the racetrack. So I'm all about this kind of rivalry. I like to see it. And this kind of – I don't know if I would go so far as to say it's good-natured. Maybe there's a little bit more hurt feelings involved in good nature. But – so long as it doesn't escalate to the point where dudes are throwing punches or wrecking each other's race cars, by all means, go for it. I love to see it. Keep it up. Okay, Jay. All right, hold hold on a second before I start here. I'm going to uh, crack this can of rowdy energy open. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, I, I, hope, I have I always support down I have, the windpipe. Yeah, I have always supported Kyle. He has got talent. You got to love that type of passion. And even Mike said it there, there at the end of his. It's good for the sport. I mean, he really is. You know, we went through the stage of everybody said, "Oh, Jimmy Johnson is our champion." You know, is vanilla. You know, he's never involved in anything, and he's just bland. Okay, Kyle is not so, and you got to respect that. And I would rather, and just using this scenario, we've seen it in the past, I'm glad he took a shot at Alex Bowman rather than Eric Jones, saying, oh, he shouldn't be in a car because he did this. You know, that that was an unfortunate accident, like Mike said. I'm sure that was not in their plans whatsoever. They were uh, going to have another 10th to 15th place finish, be really good for their building and stage uh, development uh, the, of the Petty GMS racing team. So... I'm sure it was not what they wanted. I'd rather see him take a, take a shot at the winning driver than than one that you know could have been up there and ended up not to say they don't have any talent because um, I, I really don't like when they do that. And you said you know Sharon, you said it I think as well as Mike. Good natured, uh, having some fun with it, uh, you know, keeps it from being a on track incident or something to that effect where then we got issues and NASCAR's got to step in and, and we don't want to see that. Yeah, think about where Kyle Busch used to be <laughs> and how angry he would get at the end of a race. Um, 
uh, I think he's come a long way, and that's a good thing. Uh, and I would much rather see this than what what we saw in his earlier days. Uh, so to me, I I, I don't know, I I hear what you're saying about the entitlement thing. I don't like that either. Even my favorite driver sometimes has, has uh, kind of said things like that immediately after a race, and I think that's more emotion talking than anything else at the end of these races, because these guys are out there, they want to win. They want to win for their sponsors. They want to win for their team. Um, and, and they want that win. They want those trophies. So uh, anytime they lose, they just don't like it. But it does it does come across like entitlement. It certainly does. And uh, none of these drivers are entitled uh, to get a win at other people's, uh, uh, what do you call it, at the, the, you know, at their cost. Um, you, that's why you're in the Cup Series. You're there to win uh, based on what you and your team do uh, to put you in that position to win. So, you know, it didn't happen this weekend, but I'm sure Kyle Busch is going to be competitive all season long, and we're going to see him out there uh, getting a victory before it's all said and done. So um, I just I just chalk it up the emotion after the race and his frustration at uh, not getting that win. And I can relate to that. I mean, if they've been running up front all all that time uh, to, to come up empty-handed when it's all said and done, that's a disappointment. It's a huge disappointment. We get it. Um, but, again, I just think this is much healthier than what it used to be in, in Kurt Bush's or Kyle Bush's uh, earlier days. So uh, I'm all for it. I'm not all for it, for it. As long as it's good-natured and all this kind of stuff, I'm all for it. I don't like the pushing and the shoving and, you know, using your car as a weapon on the track. So it's good from that point. Andy, your your final thoughts? I will say that I, I really do appreciate Kyle's, um, you know, genuineness, if you will, um, he's definitely never been fake about how he feels, and and certainly when you see how fierce he is as a competitor, you know I appreciate that um, because it means that he's putting it out there on the line to do the best that he can to try to win the race. And you know I don't think any driver is is happy when they lose, especially when they feel like they had a car capable of winning. So you know I do appreciate yeah. uh, I do appreciate the realness of him. You know I mean. It, it, it's, it can be pretty entertaining at times. And, you know, certainly when he gets frustrated, it's, it's a source of, um, it's a source of entertainment, I think for a lot of us, but, you know, I certainly appreciate the genuineness of it for sure, you know, and, and obviously I think, I think for him, I'm, I'm not sure has Kyle ever won a cup race at his, at his home racetrack. Is it, you're either, in 2009. He did. Okay. But, you know, any time you go back to your home racetrack, there's probably a little bit more incentive to win there than most other places, except for maybe the Daytona 500. So um, I think for Kyle, it was a it was an excellent opportunity for him to win at his home racetrack. And he came up short, and I think that stung a bit, you know, especially when he did appear destined for victory. So um, I, I totally get the frustration. Um, you know, I thought that his comments about Bowman were – a bit off base considering that, um, you know, Bowman certainly did exactly what needed to be done to win the race. But, you know, I appreciate where he's coming from as well. And, and certainly, 
you know, he'll have his chances to to get the job done later this year, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, Mike, your turn to bring up our next hot topic. Sure, and I'm glad to report I have good news with this topic. Spencer Boyd is okay and has been released from the hospital after his wreck with two laps to go in the truck race. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, self, I don't remember Spencer Boyd crashing at the end of the truck race. That's kind of where I'm going with this. Spencer Boyd crashed with two laps to go in the truck race. You could see it on in, a couple in-car cameras as the trucks drove by. It got no mention on TV, and worst of all, it didn't bring out a caution. And this is a concern because this is the second time in less than a year. Remember back to Charlotte back last May with Johnny Sauter uh, having his hard crash when, the, when race control was focused on Matt Crafton. This is the second missed crash in the truck series in less than a year. So how can we improve NASCAR's process for identifying uh, wrecked vehicles and getting that caution out appropriately, in this case for a driver that ended up needing to go to the hospital? Yeah, did he he had a broken shoulder or something? Dislocated shoulder. So, yes, went to the hospital, uh, treated and released for a dislocated shoulder. I think he said he's expecting to be okay to go for the next race. Okay. Jay, your thoughts? Well, I get to go first on this. Um, I really (laughs) honestly don't even know which which one he was involved in there, but I know there was some discussion about that too of whether or not the caution should have come out for Eric Jones prior to him getting back up onto the track and Bubba Wallace getting into him um that there was some chatter about that too of where where when the caution should have come out normally for the best of my knowledge NASCAR if the car keeps going and is getting out of the way they want to keep it green because fans scream that they throw the caution too early or affect the outcome. They're trying to manipulate the outcome by bringing the caution out just to generate excitement of a finish like we had uh, on the Cup Series um, with a, with a change in the final laps. So they're in a tough position. And, and I say I can't say I, I hadn't gotten a chance. I know Mike put up the YouTube video of where that wreck happened to where he came off the track. But if the truck came off the track and wasn't a factor to the track and safety workers could get to Spencer Boyd then in the infield, uh, you know, unless they come over the radio and say, hey, the driver's hurt, NASCAR isn't going to bring out the caution. Even when they're on the track, that's a lot of times, especially it normally happens at the super speedways, whether they not they let them race back to the checkered flag or throw the caution. It is if it's a hard hit and the car is on the track and they feel that the safety teams need to get out to it um, is kind of how they make that judgment call. If the car is coming off the track and out of the way, they're driving it off. As far as they know, the driver is okay. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I remember we talked about this. Uh, for that particular incident last year. And um, I think, you know, one of the things that I felt maybe should be done is is, is because the backstretch was was where this happened and and maybe they need to put additional spotters or put somebody back there that can communicate with race control uh, in a timely manner because it seemed to me that they just didn't see it. and I know they have spotters around the racetrack, I, I think, generally speaking, to, to keep tabs of what's going on. But, um, 
you know, to miss a wreck like that and, and let the race go green is, is a bit troubling considering that it was a hard enough wreck in which his shoulder was dislocated, you know, and, and there was, to, to speak to the point of the replay that Mike spoke of, you know, it was a pretty hard impact with the inside wall and the backstretch. And so, you know, you don't know how that can happen, you know, whether they, whether all eyes were focused on the leaders at that particular moment, you know, it, it remains to be seen. Obviously there was a lot going on there on the last lap and there was also more than one accident on the last lap as well. I believe, um, Grant Enfinger was up into the wall with, with a fire off of turn four, uh, a couple of other trucks involved there as well. So there were multiple wrecks on that last lap and, uh, and I'm sure everyone's attention got taken in, in multiple directions, but you know, it seems to me that maybe more visibility needs to take place on the backstretch, um, you know, because that's what happened at, at Charlotte, I believe. And, and it was also a truck series race uh, a year or so ago. Um, and, and it was that, it was that backstretch issue where apparently they, they couldn't see an accident that took place. And, you know, the same thing happened here, but certainly um, with an accident of this nature in which an injury occurred, you know, you want to be able to throw that yellow. And, and quite honestly, I've seen some inconsistencies this year with, with yellow flags, obviously the one extreme being this example in which, you know, the race continued for, you know, quite a ways after the actual accident before the caution was thrown um, to uh, the Xfinity Series race at Fontana last week where a car barely got out of shape and they threw the yellow, which turned into multiple green-white checkers that ultimately, you know, had an impact on the the end of that race. And so, you know, we've certainly seen one extreme to the next where, you know, a, a big wreck happens caution doesn't get thrown to the extreme of, you know, an in, a car barely spins out, gets out of shape and they, they're quick to throw the yellow. So um, I don't know what the motive is behind that. You know, you could argue that, you know, maybe, you know, you know, maybe they're wanting to see green, white checker finishes. I don't know. I mean, that's just me speaking out loud, but um, I would, I guess if, if I'm going to boil this down to one thing, I would like to see, at least some consistency in throwing the yellow flag. And, and the first and foremost, most important thing would have to be, you know, safety being number one. So when, when something major happens, you know, the, the caution has to come out in a timely manner. And unfortunately, in the case of this accident, the caution did not come out in a timely manner. Okay. I, I'm, I totally missed it um, for, for one thing, so I can't say a whole lot about it, about whether the question was on time or not. So I guess I'm just going to ask some questions. Um, when the caution, I mean, they didn't throw a caution at all. Were they in overtime or had they, had they passed the white flag, I guess is the question I'm asking. Sharon, I was going to lead off my comments with some clarification on details. If you want me to just go into that. Uh, well, yeah, but then I want to give my thoughts, though, too. So, sure. because, um, so a, quick, a quick rundown to address the, the situation a little bit more. This was on the second to last lap of regulation. So the leaders had not taken the white flag yet, and this was on the back stretch. He spun out and hit the inside wall, 
and the truck was stopped against the inside wall facing opposite direction to traffic. So, yes, he was against the inside wall, but he was still on the hot side of the wall. So I don't know whether safety crews would be – I don't think they'd be able to bring a safety truck out there. Maybe, maybe they could have shouted across the wall to him to communicate with him. But from the replays I've seen, and it's been very limited, it doesn't look like anyone came to contact him until after the field went by one more time under, uh, at speed with him against the inside wall, and then the race concluded. That's when they finally got to him. So those are the details that I'm aware of for this particular incident. Yeah. Okay. So I, I know if the white flag is flown uh, and there's a crash, um, I don't think that they, they try to uh, make sure that the race finishes. If there is a caution after that white flag, the race is over anyway. Uh, but it does sound like it was a missed call. Um, oh, and I've got to make my announcement too. Uh, we're at that time of the night that uh, I like to just let people know who may be listening for the first time. Uh, that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. However, we are going to record the rest of our conversation because we're going to continue talking about our hot topics beyond that time, and that material is available on our podcast. Now, when we finish up here, I'll go out on Twitter and let you know that the podcast is available, and at that point you can fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of our conversation. So, uh, again, I don't want anybody to be caught off guard wondering why we went off air while we were still talking or how you can hear, wondering how you can hear the rest of that conversation. So just watch for my Twitter uh, tweet, and that will let you know when the podcast is available, and that's the point that you can just fast forward to that two-hour mark. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, that, that definitely sounds like it was a missed call, uh, and it sounds like it could have been dangerous. I know the drivers are told that they're supposed to stay in their car, um, but what if that car was on fire or something? That would have been uh, a really bad situation. So, obviously, I, I don't think it was, but um, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I have to agree with Andy. I think that there has to be more consistency in the calls that they're making with some of these accidents and things that happen on the track because, yes, there are times where it seems like that could have been a no call. <laughs> you know, some situations seem like it should have been a no call and yet it was called. Uh, and then other situations that you're like, where's the yellow flag that should have been called? And there is no yellow flag. So um, uh, some of it's probably situational. Uh, I do think that NASCAR tries to set up the end of the race to be a shootout, if you will. My frustration is how long it takes them to get back from a caution, though, too. It seems like they go round and round and round and round uh, before we can get the caution. I used to think it was had to do with the uh, television partners and commercials uh, that had to go on. But sometimes uh, we're not seeing commercials during those times. All these cars are just going around in circles, and the commentators are just talking about whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like to see more consistency in their calls, and I'd like to see them uh, get these cautions taken care of in a more expeditious manner uh, than to be dragging out the race and going around in circles 
uh, I think there were 63 laps on this particular race that were caution flight laps. Uh, I'll go back and take another look at that. Um, but I think that's what I saw, 63 laps of um, caution of uh, caution laps. Um, I'll pull that up here in just a second. 12 laps. Yeah, 12 cautions for 60 laps. So that's a lot of laps <laughs> that, uh, you know, are caution laps where the cars are just driving around in circles. Uh, that's not fun to watch. So that would be my main complaint is right there. Um, but, yeah, if somebody's hurt, that should be a caution. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, bottom line, I'm with you, Sharon. They can't miss calls like that. Uh, Spencer Boyd was fortunate in that, quote, unquote, I'm not doing air quotes here, he only had a dislocated shoulder. So it, it was okay from a, a life safety kind of wise to keep the race going unintentionally or not. But imagine if he had some sort of an airway injury where he couldn't breathe mm-hmm. or something along those lines, and they're not seeing that incident and they're not responding to it. That's a serious, serious concern and absolutely needs to be addressed. As far as what they could do to it, these are just some spitballing ideas that, I, you know, coming off, off the top of my head, I'm not getting them from any sort of authoritative source, but two passive ideas and one a little bit more active. For uh, passive ideas, some kind of a dead man switch on the wire to the alternator on the car. So that what I mean by that is it's a switch that expects to get a continuous source of 12 volts. When the engine shuts down, that means it's no longer turning the alternator. The alternator is no longer providing 12 volts to that switch. That switch then goes to the NASCAR control center and highlights whatever car that switch is, is wired to and says, hey, take a look at the 18 car, their, their transponder isn't working anymore, and that might get their eyes onto that car that may have an engine failure or something like that. Kind of the setup for the Johnny Sauter crash at Charlotte where there was a disabled vehicle running high up on the track at very slow speed that ended up getting hit by Johnny Sauter. The other one could potentially mm-hmm. be an impact sensing switch. Say, I'm sure they have some sort of analytics for what kind of G-forces happen in a normal set of circumstances in the race car, hitting bumps on the track, minor contact with the wall, stuff like that. Have a sensor in the car that detects something outside of that range, 10 Gs or whatever, and when the sensor detects that, just like the airbag sensor in your car, when that goes off, again, it alerts NASCAR to, hey, the the 20 car just had the G sensor go off, that he hit the wall and we didn't see it, something along those lines. And the third one that I've got is a little bit more active, but give the spotters on the roof some sort of a game show buzzer button or something, not that it would bring out the caution, but that it would at least bring attention of NASCAR to that. So Eddie DeHaan standing on the, on the roof hits his button, and that directs NASCAR's attention. Hey, Eddie DeHaan hit the button. What's going on with the nine car? Uh-oh, the nine car is in the grass. Maybe we need to throw a caution for something like this. So... There are definitely tools that are available. This isn't new technology that needs to get invented, but it could drastically improve the potential safety of the sport and potentially keep somebody out of a hospital or worse. Okay. Uh, Jay, your follow-up? Well, uh, in this particular scenario, it appears that maybe it was that they just didn't know it um, because with the truck sitting backwards up against the wall, obviously – 
feel like a caution should have been thrown. Um, you know, I think Andy is one that said of maybe having a backstretch spotter. Um, I don't know with that. I know, you know, if, you, if you're doing the radio communication, like Mike said, if you got something more direct than radio communication and then going from there um, could be a little bit quicker. But overall, and, and this comes from having worked in, in a race booth, not necessarily as race control, but being in the same vicinity of, of that you know, they're, they're in a tough position. Uh, Sharon mentioned it of, of some of the cautions. Yeah, you see it, they hit the wall, and you think they, they keep going, you don't think anything of it. We don't know what debris came off, all these different things that, you know, you, you, every situation is very unique. Cause, and especially this one, uh, you know, like I said, it had to, I, I feel like it had to be a miss because NASCAR is always going to err on the side of uh, safety when it comes to throwing the caution, red flag, whatever it be, you know, that, that, that that's their number one concern. So um, I hate to think that that's possible that they didn't even know he was there. You said he was tucked up against the wall and there's no video of it. it means that maybe he was in a blind spot all the way around. Um, unfortunate. So yeah, maybe something uh, does need to be done as far as that or particular tracks or, anywhere of making sure you have a spotter that can see every part of the track inside against the wall everywhere. Um, but I, again, having been in the booth at a race or whatever, yeah, you get wrapped up into either watching the action, um, or whatever. And I know NASCAR obviously has a lot more people that are helping them in, in making those calls and, and being prepared for it. But you know, it does happen. It's a human element. The only thing I don't like with with what you're you're saying, Mike, of of things on the car on on the car that would give indications is, especially with the voltmeter. You know, sometimes we see it where a car does lose lose power uh, from the alternator and the battery. They switch to the backup. If that's going to activate a caution, they get it refired. You don't want to see the caution come out. You know, and, and when it comes to first off the fans. You know, they're trying, they heard back in the day it was the phantom debris caution. NASCAR's trying to manipulate it. Okay, well, then they don't throw a caution. Now you're saying, oh, this was unsafe or that was unsafe. And and I'm not saying that this one wasn't because it, it certainly does appear to be. And not knowing, like I said, if if the driver had said, hey, I'm hurt, I'm sure a, a caution or a red flag would have come out immediately, um, you know, when it comes to that, if, if they get that kind of call over a radio. So... Yeah, obviously this was a bad situation. I don't know that anything was necessarily done wrong. Maybe a couple of things could be done better. But And I also don't believe that NASCAR has ever thrown a caution just to create a green-white checkered finish. I, I just don't buy it. I, <laughs> at that top level, uh, they're not going to do that. I don't believe that they're trying to make sure certain driver wins any particular race, their home race or, or whatever. You know, I I just don't see that. Okay, Andy. Yeah, I just think, you know, the the big thing here would be maybe just trying to get more visibility on the racetrack. I mean, if you've got more eyes paying attention to what's going on, then someone would have seen, you know, this particular wreck and and could have had the caution put out sooner. So, um, you know, maybe it needs – maybe it just needs more, you know, spotters – communicating to race control to be on the lookout, you know, at all aspects of the racetrack. And I think this is what we talked about last year too. Um, 
you know, if he's got more visibility and more eyes on the racetrack, then, you know, it certainly, I think, improves safety and improves reaction time, too. Um, because the sooner you can relay to race control that there's an issue, the sooner the caution can be put out. And I'm sure, you know, in NASCAR's defense, you know, if, if they had known or had seen this accident, they would have put the caution out. I have no doubt about that. It's just that it somehow went unseen, at least for a, a fairly elongated period of time, you know, which which is the concerning part. So, you know, maybe it just needs, you know, it needs to be where there's more people, more eyes on it, you know, or, or some way that, that it, can, it can be relayed to race control in a more timely manner. Um, you know, in – and like Mike said, you know, unfortunately we have seen this happen, you know, a couple different times. In fact, twice this weekend, the Eric Jones wreck in the cup series race was another concerning situation where he slammed the wall and it took, it took a bit for the caution to come out, unfortunately. And I'm not sure why that was either. Um, you know, and, and to Jay's point, no, I don't necessarily think NASCAR is, is manipulating races per se, but it is interesting to me that a car can slam the wall in the magnitude of Eric Jones and the caution won't come out right away, but a car can barely get sideways in the Xfinity series race having mm-hmm. not yet fully spun out and they throw the caution because the cars are just about ready to cross the white flag or the, uh, the start finish line for the white flag, which created a green white checkered finish. So, Either either some of these guys that work the various series are just way quicker and way better than others, or there's just a, a disparity or something. I don't know, but um, there's definitely been some inconsistencies in you know some hard wrecks happening in the caution not coming out, and some minor incidents just barely even getting started in the caution coming out almost immediately. And that's you know to me that's a cause for concern. Well, and I agree with you there. Um, I I got to wonder, though, too, where was the spotter? Why didn't the spotter uh, alert? Because they've got radios. I, if, if he saw his driver go around that curve and not come back out <laughs> to go into the next turn, why wasn't the spotter already making the call to uh, Mission Control or the crew chief or whoever? Um, to let them know, listen, he he didn't come out of that turn. He's got to be over there somewhere. Um, so I think I don't think they need to necessarily have the, all this high tech stuff. I think they just need to communicate. And I I've got to wonder where was the spotter in this particular case uh, that he maybe he did alert them and it just took time or something. I don't know, but. Uh, and did did Spencer Boyd did he tell them that he was hurt uh, in that communication? Because I agree with you guys. I think if the NASCAR had known that, I think they would have probably thrown the caution. Um, so I think they just have to communicate. And I I do think that the spotters. I have seen some things that I think the spotters uh, have kind of missed on occasion as well. And you've got to say, well, where was the spotter on that one? That whole incident with um, uh, Chase Elliott and uh, um, who's the other driver? Kyle, Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson, yeah, Kyle Larson. Um, that 
and and that in this case, the spotter did come up and say that was totally my fault. He should have been telling him that that car was there uh, because these we know that those drivers have a hard time seeing everything in those cars. So uh, they have to rely on the spotters for those communications. So I say use the communications if you already have them placed. Uh, the spotter, the crew chief, somebody should have been alerting NASCAR that their driver didn't come out of that turn. Um, so I think if they just use their communications, that might help. Uh, but again, my issue is the length of the cautions. I think the cautions are way too long. It's taken them way too much time uh, for all of these different cautions. So, okay, uh, I'm done. So you get to wrap it up, Mike. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Communication is huge here. And somebody or multiple somebody's most certainly dropped the ball on getting word to the people who needed to hear that there had been an incident on the racetrack and it needed to be brought to somebody's attention. Um, that doesn't change the fact that it got missed. Uh, you can start asking the why questions, and that's kind of what the important part is here. Why did it get missed? It, as with pretty much any mishap, and Andy, I'm sure super familiar with this, when we look at airplane mishaps, there's a chain of events that lead to the mishap. A mishap doesn't just happen by mm-hmm. itself. There's usually several links that lead to a mishap. And in this case, the mishap was a missed accident on the a racetrack that should have brought out a yellow, but it didn't. And there were several links in that chain that any one of those links being broken would have most likely resulted in the caution being thrown and Spencer Boyd getting some attention a little bit sooner than he did. So how can we break at least one of those links to prevent this mishap from happening again? If we go with some automated systems, that's not unprecedented. Remember, we brought in the Eagle Eye system on Pit Road a few seasons ago to take some of the judgment call out of the officiating. I'm not saying that we should automate the caution process. So if the 12-volt the, the switch goes dead and on somebody's car, that doesn't immediately automatically bring out a caution. But it's one of those communications loops that's designed to get live eyes on a potential situation, and then that person can make the decision based on whatever they see. Versus if everyone's, especially at the end of a race, everyone's watching a great battle for the lead, like what we had in the truck series race, they don't miss the car then the 20th position suddenly spin out on their own and crash. It may very well have been, I don't know who was around Spencer Boyd at the time when he crashed. He may have been by himself and, you know, spotters are race fans too. And there may have been that the spotter was watching the battle for the lead. I'm not saying that he was, I'm not saying that he should have been. I'm just saying that's a potential possibility that the spotter was watching the race and he wasn't watching his car. It happens from time to time, but having, different opportunities to, to bring somebody's eyes to a car or truck that may be in distress on the racetrack, that is something that should be looked at and a way that we can improve the safety in our sport and hopefully prevent this from happening again. Okay. All right. All good points. Uh, Jay, do you have a quick one we can get into here? Uh, well, I don't know how quick it'll be, but, uh, we talked about this in our recap, Ty Gibbs, uh, won the race, but it wasn't without incident. And how do we see him as a driver, upcoming driver? Uh, I know we've had several other young drivers, if you will, that have gone through stages, but Ryan Sieg obviously was not happy with him. 
Yeah, and that's not the first time either. <laughs> Andy, is that on the on the uh, on our teams page? No, we actually we actually I don't think had any other uh, uncovered ones. Uh, I know you didn't have it okay. marked, but I did bring up the uh, Ryan Newman one since Mike didn't the other night. Okay. Andy, your thoughts about uh, Ty Gibbs as an up-and-coming driver and winning well, races an at other people's expense? Well, as a, as an up-and-coming driver, um, he's arguably one of, if not the most talented driver um, as far as developing toward a potential Cup Series future. Um, certainly, he's in one of, if not the best car every single week, but you've got to have that talent to be able to to drive the car to these wins. I mean, we've seen other drivers get into championship and, and race-winning caliber cars and not do anything with them. Ty Gibbs is, is not like that. He has an immense amount of talent. But I also think that he's 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 learning and he's he's going to make mistakes, you know, and, and he certainly has made, you know, several mistakes going back to last year and now carrying on into this year where – you know, his aggressiveness is, is getting himself into situations where he's upsetting other drivers. And that may come back to bite him in the form of other drivers racing him hard or potential retaliation. And I think once he's on the receiving end of some of these situations that he himself has done to others, he may understand that, you know, maybe I shouldn't race these guys this hard. But I, I just chalk it up to inexperience and I chalk it up to the fact that he's a very aggressive driver, but I, I think that, you know, when, when he's kind of felt the wrath of, the, of some, you know, retaliation or maybe, um, you know, maybe getting on the receiving end of some of this stuff, you know, maybe he'll calm down a little bit and understand that, you know, maybe I don't need to be as aggressive, but as far as his talent goes and as far as his, up and coming status. I mean, he's he's very good. There's there's little doubt about that. And I think that coming into this season, knowing that he was going to be full time, in my mind, he's the driver to beat on a weekly basis. Um, which, not to rub it in, guys, but how I picked last and picked Ty Gibbs last week. Shame on you guys for that. <laughs> for our fantasy <laughs> points, but. Uh, in fact, not, and also that was two wins in a row, I think, for me for the Xfinity Series. But, you know, just saying. But um, uh, anyways, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Ty, Ty's an immense talent. There's little doubt about that. And I think that he's going to learn some hard lessons possibly this year at some point. But, but this is a guy that's going to win a lot of races this year. He's going to be um, probably a championship four favorite. And to be perfectly honest, probably looking at a cup car within the next year or two. So, um, you know, and it's, it's exciting to see too, because you, you really pull for the guys that truly have the talent and the wherewithal to, to compete at a high level. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, there's a lot of good drivers in the Xfinity series, but not a lot that I think have the cup potential Ty Gibbs has cut potential, and, and I'm excited to see what his future holds. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? 
Andy really nailed it there. Ty Gibbs is a phenomenally talented race car driver. Uh, yes, the 54 car is arguably the best, if not one of the best cars in the Xfinity Series week in, week out. Kyle Busch went five for five in that car. Christopher Bell, I think, was two for two. Denny Hamlin almost won Darlington if a couple things didn't go his way at the end of the race there. But then again, Ty Dillon... I think he did like 15th most of the time he ran in that car. But Ty Gibbs won four races in that car. So, yes, Ty Gibbs is in in one of the best cars that's in the series. Obviously, that door was opened at least in part because of his last name and family connections. That's no secret there. But you don't win now five races in the Xfinity Series without even doing a season in the Truck Series. You don't win five races in the Xfinity Series, even in the very best car in the field, without some serious driving talent, and Ty Gibbs has it. With regard to the Ryan Sieg incident this weekend, was Ty Gibbs aggressive? Yeah, he always is aggressive. That's how he is. But I don't really – he didn't – wreck Ryan Seek. He got up pretty close behind him, but the 39 car was already a good bit of the ways around before he even made contact. And really the only reason he made contact with the 39 is because the 39 was slowing down because he was sideways. So Sieg was running right on the very edge of the possibility of his equipment and couldn't handle having Ty Gibbs get up behind him. And Ryan Sieg also violated one of the first rules of race car driving that if you're going to wreck somebody, make sure you don't wreck yourself because Ty Gibbs <laughs> went on to win the race and Ryan Sieg spent the rest of the afternoon behind the wall. So like Andy said, Ty Gibbs is going to learn some lessons one way or the other. People are going to race him like he races them. He will learn some hard lessons because of that. But I think his skill and his talent as he gets kind of corralled and shaped into a more mature race car driver, we may be looking at a generational-level talent in the Cup Series here in the not-too-distant future. Okay. I, I can't say it any better than what you guys have said, it, so I'm just going to go on to Jay here uh, for the sake of time. Yeah, well, and I'm kind of with Mike on this. Of, You know, he did admit he said he, he made a mistake. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, let me get past that. But um, did he bump him? Yes. And could he have done it better? First off, it was super aggressive as far as it was, what, lap six. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the caution, and they talked. And he, he immediately said then, you know, he made a mistake. Yes, the car getting up that close, you're going to get the air. I think his mistake was then back off just that touch and let Sieg try and gather it, and he can go under him cleanly. Now, the aggressive mm-hmm. driver, yes, lap six, yeah, a little early to be that aggressive, um, even getting that close up to him where the air packs in because another half lap and he was going to get by him. He was going get, to get up to the top ten within a couple laps. So I think that is one. And I think we've seen him change already in maturity. And I don't remember the exact incident uh, year, last year or the year before at Daytona. And his answer was, you know, I'm here to win races. You know, that's your problem that you ended up in the wall or wrecked or whatever. And it took him a week the next week when he said, hey, I, you know, that was my bad. He immediately said, hey, I made a mistake. And that's where I think, you know, maybe Sieg should have been. I know he's upset. His day is done on lap six, and he was upset. Uh, you know, we've talked about that, the emotion. You get that. And I don't know that he Sieg tried to wreck him. I think he was trying to make his life difficult and then put himself in a position where he lost his own car. You already, you know, you don't have a good car. 
Because when he drifted him up, I don't know that he went up there to put him in the wall. He just wanted to let him know, hey, I'm not happy and, you know, make it hard on him. And then, yeah, he ended up losing his own car. You know, that one I kind of felt like was Sieg on his own, um, you know, went a little too far to try and make his point. But like I said, I don't think Sieg went to wreck him either. I think he just wanted to say, hey, I'm not happy with you. And he put his own car in a bad position where he couldn't hold it. Again, part of it being that he was already driving a damaged car. But uh, I think everybody had the same conclusion. Not going to be real long. Uh, you know, I don't want to put a, a, a year to it or anything and get that started. But we're going to see him in a cup car not very far down the road. Okay. Uh, Andy, your follow-up. Uh, no follow-ups on this one. I'm good. Okay. Mike? In the interest of time, I'll pass as well because I know we got to wrap it up here. Okay, thank you. Uh, Jay, any final comments you want to make? Okay, I'm not as talented at not saying anything, but I will say this. Andy, I had already uh, done your promotion of your race-winning picks, and I noticed Mike was <laughs> quiet because he's at the bottom, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> it's okay. I it's did okay. have the second-place guy. The title is current, Jay. I'm sure I'll have my struggles at some point, so it's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so with that, let's go ahead and start our roundtable. So, Andy, we'll start with you on that. Uh, yeah, CB14 fan on Twitter, and um, I should be back Thursday for Thursday night show as well, and uh, also looking forward to uh, racing at Phoenix this weekend. So thankful to be on tonight as always and uh, looking forward to Thursday. Okay, Mike. Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter. Mike double underscore O on Reddit. I will also be available on Thursday, so it's going to be a good full house again. Look forward to talking to you all then. Okay, Jay. Uh, Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And... I will be here as well on Thursday because I believe I'm hosting the show. So I guess I will hang around for hot topics. And we've got JoJo Wilkinson on Thursday night. That's right. Yep. So, okay. So uh, fan for racing site on Twitter, fan for racing blog and radio everywhere else. I announced this earlier. I'll get another announcement now. We are having some site issues right now. That's why you're not seeing any updates on our website. As soon as we get those all worked out with uh, GoDaddy, we'll be back in action. Uh, but uh, we do have the players that I'm putting out on social media from Blog Talk Radio so you can still hear our radio shows. Uh, so our apologies for that. We will be back up and running as, as soon as I can be. Uh, I'm kind of dependent on GoDaddy at this point. So as soon as they're able to work out my, my uh, issues here, then uh, we'll be back. Uh, we are uh, thankful for all of our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate all of you for taking the time to uh, check it out, what we have to say here, and fan for racing radio. And uh, we, we don't care if you're listening to the podcast or to the live broadcast. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, also, for those uh, uh crew members that were here today, our fan for racing crew. Thank you for being here. Uh, you guys always uh, add uh, great insight to what's going on. 
with our Hot Topic sound off every week, so I appreciate uh, all that you guys do. Uh, and, Jay, thank you for stepping in tonight. I know Sal had to work tonight and wasn't able to be on the show, so uh, I appreciate you being available. Uh, and with that, uh, we do have JoJo Wilkinson coming on uh, this Thursday night, uh, and uh, she is an ARCA racer as well as a late model racer. She raced the Alabama 200 uh, this past weekend. She's got another race coming up this coming weekend, right, Jay? Yes, the Rattler uh, 250 will be happening at South Southern. I don't know the name of the track. I want to say Southern Alabama Southern Raceway. National. Oh, okay. There we go. Okay, so we'll talk more about that on Thursday night. Monday night show, we have Zachary Kinkle. He's uh, racing the Arkham Art Series with uh, Wayne Peterson Racing. You know, he drives the number zero, so we'll have him on the show on Monday night. And uh, I hope everybody tunes in. If you haven't heard our interview with James Bickford from earlier tonight, uh, that is available on the podcast. He came on during the second half hour. If you want to hear what he's been up to, uh, it's always fun catching up with James. Okay, with that, guys, I think we're ready to uh, call it a night. And uh, we'll see everybody again on Thursday. Good night. Good night, everybody. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.